Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of the Direct Podcast, our one-year anniversary special, where we feature top news from all the universes you love, and not one, not two, but three feature segments from Marvel, DC, and Star Wars universes. Guys, we love you so much. Thank you for joining along with us on this ride. Let's get it. Truth is, I am a Jedi, and I am burdened with glorious purpose. (laughs) Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave. Blow that piece of junk out of the sky. See you in a minute. I'm mad. I could do this all day. This is the way. But I'm also a big fan of justice. I'm vengeance. I'll show you the dark side. Why did you say that, man? Come on. Let's get nuts. Assemble. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 54. I'm the Watcher, Matt Ripke, here with my co-host, Content Machine, Liam Crowley. And today is our phase one finale, for those who don't know. 54 episodes, about a year since we started this thing, Liam, and we are going to close this era out with three features. It's a lot, and the reason that we're doing it is because starting next week, we have a lot of fun stuff ready for you guys. A bunch of new things, you know, some some a little tidbit there, a little wrinkle here, some stuff to make the show the best it can be. Liam, how are we doing? I'm fantastic, Matt. It's a great Wednesday as we're recording. What if just wrapped up, not just mm-hmm. the episode, but the season as a whole. And as you mentioned, phase one of the direct podcast is wrapping up today. But I do want to emphasize, you know, nothing. Uh, the stuff you guys love is staying. We're just taking it up to another level where we're putting our foot down on the gas. And we'll we'll have some cool stuff next week. But I don't want to limit it to just next week. I think we're going to have a lot more intriguing tidbits that get peppered in here and there as the weeks and months go on. So definitely tune in next week for what we are calling our phase two rebrand, but stay tuned in the coming weeks and months. Cause I think you guys are going to be very, very happy uh, with what else we have planned down the line. Many fun things coming ahead, but Liam, we've been doing this for a whole year, man, an entire year of the direct podcast. And let's look back a little bit. You know, we, We do a lot of fun stuff on here. The news is always great. We never thought reviews were going to be such a big part of this show, but they have been. Uh, When when we when we first planned this thing out, it was going to be all right. We'll do news and we'll do you know a couple features every episode. You know we'll have a lot of fun with it. But then we didn't realize how much content 2021 was going to bring. So we ended up doing a review virtually every single week, and we love it. Um, Liam, let's start with the fun stuff. Let's start with the features. I know we do a lot of different features like lists and mailbags and things like that. And we love doing that, but really, you know, the bread and butter is the drafts. You know, that's, mm. that's, that's our staple. That's what I have the most fun with for sure. Um, you know, I've won 50% of them. That's not rather here nor there. I'm on a cold streak actually, you know, I haven't won one in a few weeks. Um, but uh, Liam, what has been your favorite draft we have done here on the direct podcast? It's honestly such a tough question because as you mentioned, we've done so many, there's so many highlights, but I, I look at drafts that not only have a good topic and not only have a good roster on my end, but also have a good guest. I feel like the guest is really what hammers home these drafts. So I'm going to go uh, our best MCU talkers draft with none other than Johnny Gargano oh, yeah. from WWE NXT. A little biased just because I'm such a fan of his uh, personally, but still that draft was so much fun because it was a unique twist 
on the talking element. You know, a lot of we did the best voices draft of who has the best complexion and the best tone in their voice. But this was strictly based on content. Who can who can who has the gift of jab, who the gift of gab, excuse me, who who can talk a promo in and out of a room. And I think we did a very fantastic job. And it's one I love to go back and listen to. Um, just because as a fan to see someone I admire so much in the squared circle be so animated and so knowledgeable about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was really cool. And uh, yeah, best talkers is probably mine. And, you know, that draft for me has one of my favorite picks in the direct podcast history when Gargano picked Groot at the mm, very end. Yep, yep. Um, you know, it was the way he built it up too. This guy's got an iconic voice, an iconic catchphrase, you know, all these things. And me and you are, you can see it in the video, me and you are both racking our brains. Who the mm-hmm. hell is this guy talking about? He comes out with Groot, steals the show. I believe he won that draft. Um, yeah, that was definitely a fun one. Mine, I do have to give a quick shout out to our best MCU payoffs list. Um, I think it was our first list we did. We did it with kind of funny zone, Tim Gettys. Yes. Um, that was, that was everything, you know, that was an hour and a half and it was just so fun looking back at my favorite thing about the MCU. And that's the continuity and the threads and the payoff things. And if I might add real quick, when, not if, when you guys do see a direct YouTube channel, Matt has made one of the sexiest animations I've ever seen for this feature segment. And the the beauty of it is these features, they're timeless. You know, there's no expiration date. So when you guys see that that segment in video form, brace yourselves because the uh, the graphics god over here really outdid himself. I appreciate that. Yeah. And and the timelessness of the drafts are so great in the list because we do a lot of MCU stuff because there's been 23 movies. You know, there's 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 a lot to dive into, and it's what makes it so endless. My favorite draft, 25, I'm sorry. Um, my favorite drafts, uh, I'm going to kind of cheat here. I'm going to do two, the music drafts, both the best scores and the best needle drops in the MCU. I think we did the best needle drops with Nebens, if I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes, yes. And then we did the best scores with our boys at uh, Friends From Work, and those mm-hmm. are – so much fun you know the scores thing it's something i'm trying to get more and more into as i watch movies looking out listening for these scores um just in what if recently the way they pepper in different scores throughout the different character scenes so fun the age of ultron score in them in that last episode yeah yep um but um also the uh the needle drops draft um it's my favorite article i've ever written for the direct is the best needle drops it's one of my favorite things songs from movies are my favorite songs because every time I listen to them, I, you know, define it with, you know, a moment in a movie or a show, you know, uh, left hand free by alt J, you know, I'd never heard that song before in my life. Now I it's synonymous with Spider-Man. I know Liam thinks it's synonymous with Outer Banks. I get that, but my, it's for me, it's synonymous with that queen's title card and like something about it just always gets me excited. So those are definitely my favorites for sure. Yeah. And I, I do want to give a shout out to, to my pick from the needle drops draft, uh, blue dabba dee dabba die from Iron Absolutely. Man 3. Absolutely. E- even though it was half of a joke pick, I go back and watch that scene and I'm dead serious. That's a great moment. One of the greatest tone setters in the MCU. Is, <laughs> yeah. is what year are we in? Here's blue. <laughs> you know, it's good stuff. Uh, next question for you real quick, Liam. We've reviewed, oh, help me out here. We've reviewed four movies, five movies. Wonder Woman. Zack Snyder, uh, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Venom. It's five. Five, yeah. No, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Six movies, five shows, Mando, WandaVision, Loki, Falcon Winter Soldier, What If? Yeah, 
By the time this episode is done, five shows to completion. Five shows. There you go. To completion. You heard it. Um, Liam, what was your favorite review we did here on the direct podcast to completion? Oh man, it's tough. <laughs> it's a it's a tough question because there I don't know whether to go with the the jokey answer of like when we were most animated, uh, when we were reviewing something that we maybe didn't like as much. But I <laughs> I will never forget actually. This, this might surprise you a little bit, but the moment just came back to me. I was in one of these rooms um, for those, obviously, audio listeners. Uh, most of my recordings, I go to uh, my, my broadcast school and I go to like a private like edit suite. You know, you, you shut the door, soundproof walls, and it's all calm and quiet. Um, and I remember being in one of these rooms for the WandaVision finale review. And the reason why I bring it up is because I'm, I'm like getting chills right now just thinking about it. There's the line at the very end where Wanda says to Billy and Tommy, like, boys, thank you for choosing me to be your mom. And like the emotions that ran through, well, first off, I was, I was shedding so many tears by the time that moment came up, but like the connection, you know, that moment in what's, what's the Pixar movie, um, Ratatouille, Mm -hmm. when the reviewer sits down and he's like eating the dish. And he's like this older guy and he's very hard. And he's like, you know, I, I'm very critical of everything. And he takes one bite of the dish and it transports him back to being like a six-year-old kid at his parents' house. When I heard that line, all I could think of is, is my mom, Brenda Crowley, you know, the woman who raised me, who's gift, gifted me all these amazing opportunities. I wouldn't be where I am right now uh, if she didn't invest in, in my future as much as she does. And so that moment, that review, that fulfilling of like, damn, we have reviewed a Marvel project to completion. It's actually happening. Phase four is coming. Phase four is here. There's so much more to look forward to. And credit, this is two weeks before my most anticipated phase four project dropped. And I like at that moment, Falcon Winter Soldier was in the back of my head. All I could think about was, man, this show brought me everything I wanted and more. And, you know, we theorized Mephisto, Doctor Strange, what's the big CGI fest is going gonna, is gonna to be the finale. All I could think about was that one line boys thank you for choosing me to be your mom and it's my favorite review we've done it's it it, i mean that review specifically the finale was everything but also just wandavision man every week was just a thrill ride of guessing and all these different things and it was just such a great such a great time uh to be an mcu fan to be a comic book fan and you know I, i i still say it the most appointment television you know of the entire MCU. Like it's the, it's uh, the best appointment television since game of Thrones was WandaVision. And I stand by that to this day. Shout out Brenda Crowley, you know, what a champ. Um, you stole mine, obviously, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to go back one more actually. Man, Mando season two, man. Uh... That finale, that last episode with Jack Pews, who might be showing up a little later. Um, <laughs> that was the three of us, like, you know, me and Liam, we try to be professional here. We try to give, you know, hard critiques every now and again. We'll tell you if we don't like something, why, if we do like something, why, um, all those different things. But if you go back and listen to that season finale review of Mandalorian season two, it's just the three of us geeking out the entire time. We're just, we're just clamoring over each other about how amazing what we just saw is. And it was, and you know, that was kind of the moment for me where I was like, this podcast is awesome because I just get to be a nerd with my nerd friends and talk about stuff and do a microphone, which is all I've ever wanted to do. So Mando season two review will always be, 
you know, just something special. Our first review, man. It was our first go. It was our first time at it. And then, and then, like, I remember coming out of it being like, oh my God, one woman I tell you, four is in a couple of weeks. Like, <laughs> like, this is, this is it. This is happening. It's all over. And, you know, as much as that movie was a letdown, being excited about that movie was still so fun. You know, still some of the best trailers of all time. So it's good stuff. Uh, as far as what's next, guys, you know, we don't want to get too much away. Uh, like Liam said, off the top, there's going to be a lot of rebranding stuff and new looks and feels to things. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty uh, surface based at top. But you know, like Liam said, hang in there for a couple of weeks. We're going to be dropping new things, little quirks and tweaks to different things throughout. But we couldn't do this stuff without you, man. We couldn't do this stuff without the fans and everybody listening. We appreciate you all so much for coming along this ride. Uh, it's been a year. We're getting so close to 100 reviews on Apple iTunes. Please keep sending those in. Because we have such a packed special episode today, we're going to go long. We're going to have three feature segments. I mean, I can't I can't fathom a Marvel, Star Wars, and DC feature segment. There, I said it. I ruined the surprise. <laughs> so something from every brand is going to be in this episode. Um, because we have such a packed episode, we will be skipping the quick question today. And we will, and I, I haven't pitched this to Liam, a little live production here. I think a mailbag next week because we had not one, but two iTunes reviews pitching a quick question this week. So um, we definitely want to give you guys your time that you deserve. Um, so quick shout out to K Master 14 and Nick one. Um, you guys both had two amazing questions that we will feature at the top of the mailbag next week or at the top of the episode with maybe a double quick question. I don't know. We're going to see how it goes, but I just want to let K Master and Nick one know we did not forget you. Thank you for your questions. We will get to them next week. But for now, Let's get into a little lighter than usual sizzle reel. Venom has taken over the box office once again. The sequel opened to $90 million domestically, the highest opening weekend of the pandemic era, and the biggest since the rise of Skywalker. Big debut aside, does the symbiote have legs? We'll break it down with our box office correspondent very soon. The Eternals marketing campaign is in full swing with promos and teasers and posters dropping almost every day. It has also been revealed that there will be a dual storyline going on here. One set in the past, one set in the next. And in an exclusive from thedirect.com, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is set to feature some Ultron centuries. While the faceless Ultron army has appeared in numerous What If episodes recently, this will be their first live action appearance since 2015's Avengers Age of Ultron. I've got no strings to hold me down. Switching over to the blue brand, a new clip from the upcoming Peacemaker series has been released. Cena is back, and the show seems to be carrying over that vintage Peacemaker tone that we all love, heading to HBO Max. And finally, in news from a galaxy far, far away, we are checking in on the galactic rumor mill. Obi-Wan is being rumored to premiere in May of 2022. And for anyone keeping track out there, yes, May 4th next year is a Wednesday. Keep that in mind. This lines up with the predictions, and we are sure to find out more at Disney Plus Day. And we have a packed show, so we kept the news light. For more information on everything you need to know about the universes you love, check out thedirect.com. Phase one. People in the back, wait, where do I I don't know where to go to get the news on what about the universe I love. Where do I go? Would that be thedirect.com? That is thedirect.com. 
die. Tom, Liam, that is some hot news, some hot stuff. Real quick, which one do you want to talk about first? Um, keep in mind, we got a whole segment dedicated to that bad boy. Man. Yes, sir. I think let's let's talk a little Eternals because it's getting yes. spicy, Matt. It's getting spicy. <laughs> we uh, time of recording. I believe we are exactly four one weeks month. away. One, one month. month. One month away from yesterday. By the time this episode drops, four weeks away. And oh man, am I excited for this movie? Not only is are the the marketing campaign great. Uh, one thing we left out of the sizzle that I definitely want to discuss is this film is premiering at the Rome Film Festival in a couple weeks. And oh my God, a Marvel movie at an international film festival with films that are dedicated to art house and limited release and Oscar bait. And not only that, this is like a film festival that I'm pretty sure goes on for like seven to 10 days. It is closing. It's premiering on the closing day in the main event slot. Oh my God. That's the marketing campaign. We don't need to see any more footage. Just say premiered at the Rome Film Festival. Sneak in those cameras and get some audience reactions of the, the Hollywood elites, the, the international film elites in suits reacting to this film. I, I can't even fathom what this movie is going to be with everything they're putting behind it. And, and the, the, the amount of momentum it has, not just for fans, but for executives, for directors, for actors, for everyone across the world. This is going to be something special, and I'm just trying to soak in this marketing because leaving Eternals, I feel like we're going to be different people. And I mean that in the way of we're going to start to look at Marvel films completely differently than we ever have before. I am so, pardon my language, I am so fucking excited for this movie. <laughs> like, like the fact that it's premiering, closing the Rome Movie Festival, like, like not since Queen's Boulevard, has a movie been so anticipated at a movie festival? Shout out to all my entourage friends, fans. The promos that have come out lately, though, Liam, have gotten me so jacked because something I learned a lot from Shang-Chi, I don't, I, I, I would have to look back at phase three trailers, but it really feels like they pitched the humor and some of the fun action and the, you know, the, uh, what was, who's the artist who did the song for the Shang-Chi trailer that, Woo! You know that that uh that beat. Do do we remember? I don't know. Oh, but, let me look him up because he's great. Yeah. Woo! That guy. Um, it was so exciting and fun and lively, and it had that vintage MCU tone. Like, yes, this is a fun comic book movie. Come see it with us, kind of thing. But then Shang Chi came around, and man, it hit us with family. It hit us with emotion, some twists, some turns. The storytelling was so unique, and they didn't really exemplify that in the trailers at all. Um, and it was a big surprise, all those amazing, unique qualities Shang-Chi had. I say all that to say, Eternals, these recent promos, they are leaning into a little bit of the comedy. The Superman reference uh, from Richard Madden, who sounds really Scottish, by the way. Not as British, very Scottish in this, which mm. is exciting. Um, the Superman reference, some of the fun dialogue between everybody. Uh, fa- uh, Fastos being like, oh, no, you didn't. You know, all that <laughs> kind of stuff. It's hitting us with all those classic MCU tones we love, that Guardians vibe, uh, per se. We know this movie is going to be so much more than that. We know there's going to be character dynamics out the ass. We know there's going to be amazing cinematography and visual storytelling and all these different things. But the fact that they're, you know, they they are presenting the classic MCU stuff to get everybody to go. I just feel like we're going to get slapped in the face by some unexpected amazingness coming out of this movie. A lot like Shang-Chi, but turned up to 11 because this cast is insane. And something I want to point out and pitch to you, Liam, 
these power sets, man, like I think is going to be so much fun watching how they explain, show, and intertwine all the different power sets of the different Eternals. We had that uh, promo montage come out lately where it kind of showcases everybody's different unique ability and how they use that visual, that Eternals almost like Greek um, wiry energy uh, visual to use all these different uh, power sets. So uh, which one are you most excited about really off the top? And we will break down every single one in our internals primer. I know that for sure. Yes, we will. Real quick, I want to give a shout out. It's DJ Snake and 88 Rising who did a lot of the beats for Shang-Chi. But man, there are so many I'm looking forward to. Everyone's going to point to Makari, the speedster, because she has... She has a very different dynamic. They're shooting it very differently. It's not slowed down. It's in real speed. And the way the, the camera angle is, it's kind of like a panic to look at as she's like out of control, but she is in control. But us as the audience, as we're watching her go, it's like when you're on the highway and, and a car is swerving in and out of you, like you feel panic, even though you're in control of your vehicle because the person around you is just swerving like crazy so makari is a great one but the one i want to give a shout out to is uh kingo played by camille nanjiani the the finger blasts i don't know what it is but the fact that it's not like a full hand burst we've seen you know captain marvel and various other uh heroes that use uh i mean star lord kind of sure it's a gun but it's still coming like from the fist almost the the finger blast is just so it's such a subtle change, but it's enough to get me just enamored with the character. Angelina Jolie as Thena, the, the sword, everything that's going on. There's so much to look forward to. And the character I'm most excited about is someone we haven't even seen his powers yet. And that's Druig, Barry Kogan, man. The idea of him being the Magneto of the Eternals of no, we're the superior race. Like screw working with humans. Like we need to eviscerate them. Like we're on top now. Ah, and the best part, Matt, is as we talked about that footage, like, I don't I don't know what this movie's about. And I love no. that. Yeah, I, I love it, too. In the dual storyline thing, like the fact yes. that like we knew we, we knew for a long time, I feel like it's been it's been uh, that was like one of the first little uh, tidbits they gave to everybody when this uh, movie first started coming out was this is going to span over many years. You know, it's going to be like a thousand year thousands of years story which we all thought we were going to get checkpoints throughout the movie but no the dual storyline thing i think a lot of um i mean it's not the same but you know that scene from first class with the coin going through kevin bacon's head yeah yep like i i feel like we're going to get a lot of that a lot of switching back and forth in real time between what happened and what's happening and just there's going to be history. There's going to be chemistry. There's going to be so much on-screen dynamic in this. I, dude, this, this movie's going to be so fucking sick, dude. So tune into our Eternals primer because we're just going to be gushing. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Um, let's move on real quick. Um, we're going to talk about Venom. I don't know if the Ultron thing. But, uh, Obi-Wan. Yeah. It's May 4th. It's May 4th, right? Like, oh, 100%. It's built be. for May 4th. It's going to be awesome. That's going to be great. Um, I'm, I'm getting more excited about this show. Um, I, I cannot wait to explore the Obi-Wan character. He's got the most obvious gap between where we've seen him. You know, we've seen the prequels. We've seen the originals. He's got the most obvious gap. Dying in the first movie, I think, opened the door for him to really fill in a lot of information. I'm still skeptical about the Christian Haydenson being a part of this. I am because I just don't know. I just don't know how you do it after episode three and have Hayden Christensen be anything but Darth Vader. And 
And, you know, I just, I just, I'm not sure if that's going to play off as well, but I'm sorry to get the feeling that much like Mando, the middle part of Mando season two was so Star Wars animation fan service in a good way, you know, with the Ahsoka and all the different Mandos and uh, uh, Bo-Katan, et cetera. I think Obi-Wan's going to have a lot of those vibes. Yeah, we just talked about dual storylines. I think a big dual storyline in Obi-Wan is going to be Clone Wars flashbacks with Hayden Christensen's face. I don't think you get Hayden Christensen back just to be like, no, seriously, like we care so much about your experience. Like, trust us, that is him under the helmet. Like, I respect and appreciate that, similar to how they got Ewan McGregor back to say like one line of dialogue in The Force Awakens when Rey is having her whole vision when she's in Maz Kanata's castle. Oh, and it, it, it's, <laughs> it's nice though that they, they care that much about the experience that, you know, we could have got anyone to do that vocal role, but we're going to get Ewan McGregor because it's authentic. I think Hayden Christensen will stretch beyond the authenticity of let's put him in the Vader suit. I think he will have some, some FaceTime in this series. And unlike Mando, though, I don't really expect the show to have any filler episodes. I think this will be kind of kind of Falcon Winter Soldier asking the sense that it's going to be six episodes, one season. Each episode serves a very big purpose to the overall narrative. And we're not going to run into woes where you remember when we, we talked about all our favorite reviews. When we were first reviewing Mandalorian season two, there were a couple episodes where we were like, oh, no, like. Are we getting into filler territory? And then Luke Skywalker showed up a couple of weeks later and slapped slapped us both in the face. So I don't think we're ever going to have those woes with Obi-Wan. I'm just so happy that we're getting a Star Wars project that's going to begin in May. And man, that's going to be a weird one because we're talking about it for the first time now. And similar to how I look back as to where I was in individual episodes of the podcast, when we start reviewing that show, I will be graduated from college. And when we finish reviewing that show, who knows where I'll be. So, you know, yeah. time time is weird, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm excited to just see Ewan back. You know, he, he looks yeah. like he's having so much fun, uh, not even marketing this movie, but just being in public. And when people ask him about the show, his eyes kind of light up as opposed to other actors who will be like, oh, I can't really talk about that. He's like, oh, I, I can't wait to talk about it. You know, I can't right now, but don't worry. I will soon. And uh, it's going to be a fun ride. Absolutely. And I just want another you McGregor shout out real quick. Birds of Prey, you know, the smallest DCEU story that they've made so far. He was fantastic in that. So I definitely don't think he's lost his fastball. He's obviously going to play a very different character, but I do think little cocky, brash Obi-Wan Kenobi, like where I think we're going to get a little more personality than maybe we uh, anticipate based on where this story takes place. So that's really exciting. Um, so, you know, for more news on all that, like we said, check out the direct.com. There's one story we didn't touch on. Venom leading the box office. It's because it's too big of a story for me and Liam to handle by ourselves. So we're going to bring in the expert. We're going to bring in our boy, fellow Colts fan, the direct.com's very own David Thompson. But nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in fucking circles. Venom, Let There Be Carnage has hit theaters. And regardless of what you loved it or you hated it, it crushed at the box office. Venom 2, $90 million opening weekend. The largest pandemic era opening and the highest opening since Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker back in December of 2019. Let that settle in for a second. Venom Let There Be Carnage, the biggest opening since the final chapter of the Star Wars Skywalker saga. Nuts. Here to help us break it all down is our resident box office correspondent at thedirect.com, fellow Colts fan, the one in three Colts, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Thompson. David. Hey, uh, 
I am so excited to be here. I have so many thoughts on this specific movie and this specific box office performance. I'm not going to pat myself on the back too much, but I had predicted it just in my own. This is such it's so dumb. I predicted in my own head that it would outperform what tracking was like what it was projected projected to do. Um, so let there be carnage was only projected in some spaces like oh, a measly, you know, like 50 to 70 million some places maybe 80 others i was looking at there's people track also differently all over the internet like some Mm -hmm. sites will say one number some will say a different one and have these wide ranges i thought it was gonna do really well maybe not 90 million well but i was at least thinking i was thinking at least 80 million dollars the box office and it succeeded that um the fact that it made i think the biggest storyline out of this the fact that it made on opening weekend, more money than the first Venom is an amazing sign. The fact that we're in this pandemic, it just goes to show, like we've talked about on this podcast before, um, talking about the pandemic, moviegoers are getting more and more. We're, we're, we're going back up when it comes to mover, moviegoer um, confidence and security going into a movie theater and not thinking they're going to get sick walking into one. Like we saw it. It was up there for Black Widow. It made $80 million with disney plus which is incredible it dipped down we curved back up we got shang chi at 70 million and now we're really oh my gosh and we're gonna talk about a little bit october we are shaping we are rounding into form here when it comes to the box office there's so many big hitters and venom let there be carnage 90 million it doesn't surprise me actually as much as some other people the fact that it was a monetarily successful uh origin movie it had um, a post-credit scene that I think a lot of people were interested in. I think a big, I think, I think maybe like three to five million dollars there were won because of that post-credit scene. People were like, "Oh, oh, I'm a, I'm an MCU fan," and then like there's those whispers, right? There's whispers of maybe some bigger connections. They go see Venom, let there be carnage, and I think we underestimate the amount of Venom fans there are outside of even just like the movies they just love venom the character like he is by himself without spider-man clearly considering the first venom movie numbers these movie numbers so far from the box office venom just himself is a widely popular and profitable character and we're just seeing it through and through and it's only going to get better they have not opened yet in a lot of international markets um even just over in europe it's like october 15th is most of the uh the release date over there, China in for Venom, the first Venom movie in 2018, China made 23% of the total international box office, which is more than here in the United States. So that this was a movie that was more popular, made more money in China than even here domestically. So I think this movie has the chance to have incredible international legs, and it looks like it will release in China, unlike say, um, Shang-Chi and Eternals coming up that do not plan to have uh, Chinese release dates. Venom will release and it should come out again on top of the box office. As we look back in history, this is going to be a shining moment coming out of this, ho- hopefully coming out of this pandemic era and rounding back into normal box office numbers. Well, David, that was an amazing breakdown of what that number really means. You know what I mean? And that was really all the questions we had for you, Sorry. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, you're fine. No, no, honestly, like that was a great look at like just exactly what that 90 million means. I have a question for you, mm-hmm. uh, real quick, one sentence answer. What did you think of the movie? I thought it was exactly what I th- thought it was gonna be. It, okay, 
They are who we thought they were. Yeah, exactly. And here's my like two sentence kind of uh, summary or like review. I thought the humor hit 51% of the time. I thought the relationship between Tom Hardy and Venom or Eddie Brock and Venom actually worked for me more than I thought it would. I thought Carnage was wasted and dumb. And the movie, thank God, was only like 90 minutes long. (laughs) I walked out with three other friends um, and we had fun. And that was it. The post credit in the post credit scene. You leave me like, yeah, all right, let's do this thing. I mean, me especially. I'm like, yeah, all right. You know, let's let's go. Let's let's keep going forward. But uh, yeah, it was OK. It was it was yeah. what I thought it would be. OK, it's a great way to round it out for, you know, the biggest Spider-Man fan we know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think OK is, you know, what I expected you to say there. My question beyond that is this movie has I mean, it got a B plus cinema score. Don't know how. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sitting at 65, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. I expect yeah. it to go down in week two. Um, I think word of mouth wise, though, has been pretty panned, you know, at mm-hmm. least in, in my circles and on Twitter. You mm-hmm. know, people, you know, we got the blue check marks, you know, they have to say nice things about it because they talk to these people. But even, mm-hmm. you know, even our boy Brandon Davis, who's Mr. Positivity, CEO of Good News, said it wasn't for him, you know, and that's yeah. that's a big statement from him. You know, he loves everything as he's sure. the ultimate super fan. Does having a bad critical review or even just a bad fan review, do you think that will impact the week two, you know, running of this movie? Um, no, I think what's going to affect this movie going into weekend two is no time to die. <laughs> um, I do not <laughs> think the reviews for this movie are going to affect it. I think that movie enter opening up in the United States this Friday is going to affect it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, even just speaking about my local theater, my AMC that I go to, you know, we always have the main blockbuster movie of that week or those few weeks. They've got the IMAX slot. All of yeah. a sudden, Venom is already shoved aside for the IMAX slot already in weekend two. You know, we're seeing now in October, especially, I can kind of just go through it. Like we have no time to die, which is going to, by the way, I don't know if you're going to ask me this. No time to die. Currently, some projections, $100 million opening weekend. It will be the first since the pandemic began. And that would be, once again, it would be the biggest opening since Rise of Skywalker. It would do the whole thing. And I think it's going to do it. Because of Venom, I do believe James Bond, No Time to Die, will make $100 million. I'll say it right here. Um, Thank you, (laughs) Shang-Chi. Yeah, Shang-Chi, exactly. Like It's all all snowballing, right? And I think James Bond's going to hit 100. And then we'll see um, going forward. But in October, let's stick to this before we get into like the Eternals and Spider-Mans of it all. Um, you know, then in October 15th, we've got Halloween Kills, a movie a lot of people are looking forward to. Great time of year to drop that. Um, the Last Duel, which is a movie I'm interested in. Big names, Matt Damon, Adam Driver. And then October 22nd, I mean, this is a loaded, this is the most loaded month since the pandemic began at the box office for theatrical movies only. Dune, I guess, doesn't really count. But Dune on October 22nd is another big blockbuster hit. Well, hopefully a blockbuster hit with a huge cast, big ideas, looks like a spectacle. So October so far, Venom's kicking it off. And I think it's only going to, it'll go up with James Bond, but it's going to stay consistent. And when it comes to Venom domestically, mm, it's going to drop significantly, I think, next week. Mainly because of James Bond, not so much because of word of mouth. Maybe a little, but I think more because of... uh, 007. 
Sure. And you mentioned, you know, all the October releases that are going to do gangbusters at the box office, but there is one in December that I know we all have our eyes on December 17th, Mm -hmm. Spider-Man No Way Home. The big Mm -hmm. question I want to ask you about this, though, is everyone and their mother thinks and bets that this will outperform Venom. But a little twist I want to put on that Mm -hmm. is we don't have a runtime yet. And we would imagine Mm -hmm. it's going to be in the 220 to 230 range. Venom being only 90 minutes means it could play in a lot more theaters a lot more often, mm-hmm. meaning $90 million is very, you know, it's impressive. Don't get me wrong. But if that movie's two hours, it probably maybe takes a hit of, you know, anywhere between five and 10 million. If Spider-Man No Way Home is as long as we expect it to be at a, say, a 230, where do you see that performing in two months time, given that by that time, I would like to think that moviegoers are close to a hundred percent comfortable with going back to the theater. Yeah. It's a great point. I thought of it myself when it was like, Oh, it's 90 minutes. Maybe, you know, more that you can get more screenings in at different theaters. Yeah. It makes sense. Right. There's simple logistics here at the same time. That is one variable Spider-Man no way home. If the pandemic be continues, like we said, basically if people be, get more and more comfortable going to theaters is going to blow venom out of the water. I mean, let's be honest here, especially depending on the second trailer, what they show. I mean, think, look at the trailer viewership numbers for that first trailer. Like that's speaking volumes, everyone and their brother and their mother and their dad and their grandma are going (laughs) to go see this movie. It's a Christmas movie. It might have the old Spider-Man in it. Like, this Venom thing was cool. And people, like I said, there's a big group. There's a big audience for Venom. People were fired about the post credit scene, right? Something hadn't come out in, in a month. That's a big other a variable that's going to, I'm going to talk about later with Eternals in a second, um, where there was Shang-Chi. And then they, a month later, there's Venom. Spider-Man No Way Home. I, I don't even have a project a prediction yet, depending upon. But despite, if it is three hours long, if it is end game runtime, it's still going to blow it out of the water, in my opinion even though that is a good point and that is a small variable to it, I think so many more people from front to back are going to be interested in this movie. Um, so, yeah. I, I'm going to put you on the spot just really quick. I know you're mm-hmm. a Spider-Man fan. Try to put that aside for a second. Sure. Do you think this movie hits three commas? you think we get into the billion range? No way home? I, I hope I mean, so. Pan- pan- pandemic, I feel like that's the goal at this point. Yeah, right? like, I, 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 it definitely is the goal. Like, it's so hard to tell right now because, especially at the international box office, oh, it's, it's just all, it. it's all over the place. This will be, uh, once again, I haven't even mentioned it today. Another thing with, that's working for Venom and Spider Man when it comes to theatrical releases is not only are they theatrical only, but they are still running with the 90 day release oh, yeah. window. You know, every other studio. It's either day and date on a streaming service or it's down to 45 days in theaters only. Good to that point with a billion dollars that gives Spider-Man a lot more room to make that billion. Mm-hmm. And I believe in my heart it will. Um, I think it will have those sorts of that kind of legs. I hope by then it will obviously open in China. It'll open in probably all the big international markets to get to that number. I think it's going to be a ginormous domestic success, especially if, of course, the old if Maguire and Garfield are in it, because then a lot more people are going to go watch that than if it was just a true far from home sequel, in my opinion, which made a billion dollars. Um, exactly. In a pre pandemic world, but yes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, David, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate all your insight. You have way more knowledge about this shit than I do. I know that. For a fact. <laughs> um, we got to ask, you know, next on the docket, what ifs over Venom's out. 
It's mm-hmm. Eternals time. It's time to meet the newest team in the MCU. We're all very excited for this. Um, David's really excited for the Power Rangers vibes coming out of this movie. Um, <laughs> buddy, what do, what are we thinking? You know, it's it's give me a range. Nothing too crazy, but you know, give me a 20 to 30 million dollar range that you're thinking for uh, Eternals opening weekend. I'll be honest. Um, like right now, we are a month away and maybe in like a couple of weeks, I'll have a better idea for you guys. But right now, I'm actually being pretty conservative with this one. Like I said, we have a huge October to get through two weeks mm-hmm. before this movie comes out. We have Dune. And I'll be honest, if you look, if you are a casual moviegoer and you see trailers for both those movies, they look kind of similar where it is. Good point. Simply put, big cast, an ensemble fantasy sci-fi whatever that you know whatever the hell's going on on the tv have zero idea what it's about both movies it's like i love that what is the plot of this and i think that might work against it slightly but right now a range i'm going like this might be conservative for a lot of folks i'm i'm going like 75 to 95 million um, that's I'm, a big range. First, off. it is. I think that's a big range. Well, that's what Matt said, like yeah, a $20 no, million yeah, dollar range. Yeah, I, if I, you, fair, okay, fair, fair. If I pinpointed it, if I were to pinpoint it, I would say like $85 million. So less than Venom. Yeah. Um, okay. And I think, I think part of it needs to happen. I think they need to ramp up on this marketing. I think they need to show us a little bit, they need to put the stars in the forefront. Um, maybe give us a little more like MCU-ness to it, to draw people in. I think it, the, the, thing that might get people in the theaters for this one especially is the critical success right mm-hmm. you know it's op- it's got this uh in rome it's at it's premiering at this festival like mm-hmm. they, obviously chloe Zhao is um director and she just won best director at the academy awards last year Academy award winning director exactly so like if this movie is unbelievably good it will do unbelievably well but if it's i don't know if it's okay if it's, it's if it's a good mcu movie I don't know if it's going to go gangbusters. I don't know if this movie so far and people la- and people were um, critical of Shang-Chi's uh, marketing, right? I think Shang-Chi was so far to me for a general audience. You see the Shang-Chi trailer, you know what you're kind of getting yourself into with that one. You see the main character. There's a villain. There's a dragon that pops up, right? With Eternals, I'm hoping people buy into the mystery, but there's something about it where I'm nervous because of Dune two weeks before people are going to be like, wait, now what's this one? <laughs> like, what's this other crazy fantasy ensemble cast? I'm currently conservative about it, but I'm hoping it does well. And I hope it's a great movie. I want everyone to go pack the theater for that one and really enjoy it. Eternals is going to make a hundred million I mean, timestamp this if you want. Uh, but okay. yeah, that, that's, that's my, that's my consensus just because we're talking box office. And if it makes less than venom, I've lost faith, faith in humanity. I'll say that. Yeah. I think, I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, as we've, as I've said, the Marvel studios logo goes a long way. Right. Yep. Um, I, just currently I need to see more. I need to see more excitement about it. I think it is a original movie. It's the first of its uh, series. Venom was a sequel historically sequels do better okay um especially on opening weekend there's an establishment there it's familiar eternal seems like a quote-unquote risk at least and and not even a risk from the studio perspective a risk for someone who doesn't know what to go to see the what to go to the movies to go see oh what am i gonna go watch what's eternals what's that one again they see venom they know exactly what they're getting themselves into and they go see that that's my only thing i'm holding back i hope it makes a hundred million dollars but i'm not there yet People aren't accounting for the Guardians 5 here. 
Like, like you know, this is this is even more obscure of an IP than Guardians was, and obviously, yeah. Guardians was a monument um, at the box office for you know what people thought it was going to be. You know, they've gone too far. This is where Marvel Studios busts. You remember the opening poster for Guardians? You're welcome, because Gunn <laughs> knew we had something. I think Feige has that vibe and that confidence going in. Something else that I don't think we're taking account for box office wise: the Angelina Jolie factor. And they one need the to push action. it more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. She's one of the biggest action stars of all time. Pair with mm-hmm. a couple Game of Thrones stars. I mean, that's that's a face you can really put on this thing. Yeah, I think it might get there. I think I think over the next month we're gonna see it being put. We already saw it two days ago yeah. or, or yesterday, right? We're we're already getting these things, these trickles. There might actually be a real press tour. I'm confident once we get maybe two weeks out, but right now I'm just you know I'm a little wary. Venom's marketing campaign began two weeks ago. I just want to put that out there. Venom's marketing campaign. I don't even know what Venom's marketing campaign was. It was 10 it, days long and it was go see the post-credits scene go and see it, the worked. <laughs> it worked. After, it after worked. this premieres in Rome, we're going to see a 180 of a marketing campaign and I have full faith it'll hit nine figures opening. I week. hope so. Yeah. I do as well. I do as well. David, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Colts have the Ravens on Monday Night Football. How are we feeling? I'm feeling okay. Um, if we get our <laughs> offensive line healthy, we might have a chance. We hey, people forget we, we put a good Smith. against the Rams, you know, and the Rams everyone's touting as like one of the best teams in the NFL. The the Ravens should have lost to the Lions two weeks ago. They had to make some 66 yard NFL record field goal in order to beat the freaking Lions. Which is okay, but I'm feeling frisky about that game with with Indy. I think we might uh backs against the wall. I get a dub there. That's been Colts Talk here on the Direct Podcast. Thank you, David. (laughs) We'll catch you next time for Eternals, man. All right, sounds good. And ask yourself the question, what if? My name is The Watcher, and I am a certified looker and a bona fide observer, and you cannot interfere. And this right here, this is the vast multiverse, and it's got infinite possibilities, and you cannot interfere. Bada boom, bunch of variants in the room. Guardians of the Multiverse, how you doing? Matt, season finale of What If? I had to bring back that little intro I did weeks ago just because, mm-hmm. I don't know, I was so in love with it way back when. I just completely forgot about it until today. Here we are. Here we, are. we have wrapped up yet another Marvel show. It's crazy to see how much content we've gotten this year. Some good, some bad, some great, some awful. Regardless. What if season finale, how did you feel about this episode, which really just continued a storyline we only got set up last week? Um, the episode was fun. I, I, I will come out of this saying, you know, if I'm saying anything coming out of what if, wow, was it fun? It was really fun. And I had a really good time with it. I think the action set pieces in this episode specifically were amazing. Um, the way that uh, the characters that we've met throughout the season work together from an action standpoint i thought that was i i weirdly it was unexpected for me to see kind of the fighting togetherness of it but it was so good i thought they handled it so well and um as far as the story of this episode it, it as fast paced as anything else we've gotten in what if um i'm i don't critique that because you know we we say well they're just trying to condense a movie into 30 minutes yeah it's exactly what they're doing and with that you're going to get fast paced you're going to miss some story beats so um i I have slowly but surely just fallen into the camp of sitting back and enjoying this and not expecting too much out of it from a narrative standpoint. So I had a great time with this episode season as a whole, um, I think is a little inconsistent um, with what they were trying to do. But with that being said, like I said, an unbelievable amount of fun I had. I'm really glad this exists. 
I'm even more glad it exists in animation. So I can separate my mind from it just a little bit. Um, but um, a little bit of a letdown in spots, but overall had a good time with the entire series, especially this last episode, because like I said, wow, was it beautiful. I mean, the action set pieces, the visuals, and all of it, so Jack Kirby. So mm. Jack Kirby with this episode. I thought that was a really awesome thing that, that they did. Yeah, there's so much that you said there that I echo in, in my spoiler-free thoughts. I did have a lot of fun with this episode. I did have a lot of fun with this season as a whole. And the bright, the bright spots, as you mentioned, it's the visuals. The animation style was great. I said it from the jump. I like how this animation style feels very fluid. And I mean that in the sense of animation sometimes. If you're watching it very closely, you can see the frame-by-frameness. You can see how stuff is cut together because it's moving so fast, but it's not live action. So it's not going to be one cohesive motion. It'll be a bunch of individual frames, tick, 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 tick together. And you'll, you'll, you'll kind of separate your, your mind from imagination because you see how it's getting done. This felt very close throughout the season to yeah. motion capture, which I thought was really cool. And was definitely a testament to the animators on this show. I will say though, I put it in my tweet reaction. I feel like this show and this episode specifically was a little bit too ambitious for its own good. Uh, I would love to see the writer's room process of this. And I would love to see eventually, maybe not even one of the assembled documentaries of how they created this show. But remember when Star Wars did the gallery like round tables? Yeah. I would love to hear the insight of how they came up with some of these storylines. Because I felt like at the beginning... It was what if with a slight twist, you know, what if Peggy Carter was the super soldier? What if T'Challa was Star-Lord? And then by the end, it's like, what if this, 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 to where it's at the point, it's almost unrecognizable from other MCU projects. This episode wasn't so much a what if X happened. It was kind of what if we took the storylines from earlier in the season and made a completely separate narrative, which is, you know, it, it worked to its favor from a fun standpoint. But Matt, one thing we mentioned to each other uh, before we hit record was this show ultimately needs to kind of decide, and this finale specifically needs to decide whether it's anthology or whether it's one cohesive narrative throughout. And I think there is a balance to be achieved where you can do both, but I don't think that they had a A to Z outline when they started this season. And I think that was kind of shown through the finale, but we can't really talk about the finale so ambiguously without getting into spoilers last time till thanksgiving hawkeye spoiler actually well eternals technically but well yeah but you know if you're turning into eternals you know what's up yeah um i think with this episode and this series as a whole the best way i can put it i tweeted it um if you wanted a nuanced elaborate retelling of the mcu rule book then you probably didn't love this series if you wanted an animated fan fiction just different characters in different places you probably loved it i fall right in the middle i think that they did a lot of really cool things just tweaking little basic storylines in the beginning and i think once the ball started rolling like you said it kind of got ahead of itself a little bit um i don't i don't blame it for just kind of explaining away different things that they introduce. I think some of it was kind of silly. Some of it was kind of forced in, but it's a 30 minute cartoon. You know, that that's why it's not a two hour long movie. You know, it's, it's, it's that you need to make leaps of logic. And the thing is 
with what if you always have that backdrop well it's a different universe so you don't know all the rules so you can't say something's right or wrong that if you think that's kind of a lame excuse that's fine i totally understand that being lame for you but it is true you know they do have that trump card anytime they want to use it they may have used it a little too much for my liking but looking back i can't wait to rewatch this with a little bit more of a wide just sit back with a beer kind of lens um with this episode specifically you know, we're going to talk about the Gamora thing, but, you know, the, it was just a little too pieces together. But at the end of the day, I got all the moments I wanted. And, you know, I got the team up. I got the group. I got the this, that, the other. And I do like where everybody landed. Um, I'm, I'm pissed we didn't get the live action post credit scene. Mm. Um, you know, we talk about don't let your expectations determine how you enjoy a project. But that did happen for me. You know, I wanted that live action post credit scene. We didn't get it. So, um yeah, that that's that's kind of my overall thoughts from a spoiler standpoint. A little bit of a letdown in spots, but overall, what a, what a fun ride. I agree. Um, the my biggest issue with it, I guess overall, before we get into specifics of the episode, was that there were moments I won't lie that I felt like it was a chore to watch, and I I hated that, you know. And don't get me wrong, like that's that could be just oversaturation of content. You know, we talk about how many shows we reviewed. Uh, how many movies are coming out now, now that we're balancing theatrical releases with streaming releases, it is a different world. So I don't know how much of that factored in, but there were mornings I woke up where I was like, got to start my day by watching what if, and I, I, I hate that. I hate that. It didn't feel like, you know, annoying, damn, I have to watch a piece of Marvel content, but the excitement, the jubilation of a WandaVision, a Falcon, a Loki morning was very different. That could lean into the factor of the medium it was uh, distributed in, which is animation. And I'm just famously not a huge animation guy. It does take away some of my enjoyment. But yeah, overall, you know, let, let's talk about the finale. Let's talk about some of the specifics. I do want to talk about the scene that you were definitely anticipating and some of your hype radiated onto me and it delivered. It delivered on all accounts, getting the gang together. Matt, I want to get your thoughts off the top. How do we feel about this montage throughout the multiverse of assembling our guardians of the multiverse? It was fucking awesome. It was everything I wanted it to be. Um, you get that Winter Soldier Captain Carter scene with mm. just, you know, like, how cool is that? Like, the, the loves of our life, Haley Atwell and Scarlett Johansson animated on screen together. I mean, come on. You can't beat that, man. It was awesome. I love how they're friends. They would be friends for sure. They're both badass S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. Um, and that and then leading into the watchers hey you've been chosen moment like that's the opening of a sequel movie in a really cool way and then we bounce around there's something about thor fighting ultron bots that i love aesthetically you know i think it's just the sound of Mjolnir hitting that metal i think it's really cool um that was awesome and you get that funny thor moment from ragnarok where he's screaming and then boom he's there and it makes sense because strange is there and uh so yeah you got a lot of callbacks the Gamora thing, again, we'll talk about it. But um, all in all, I thought it was really cool, and I really enjoyed the, how they handled it because I think that it, it just set the stage and reminded us, okay, here's this character, here's that character, here's this character. And I was proven wrong. The Pepper Potts uh, Shuri scene where they come and raid Wakanda, that was in the show. Didn't think it was going to be, but it was. And that's where that's how they handled it. So um, I think it weirdly kind of tied up some stories that maybe didn't need to be tied up but all in all it was so fun just getting back to seeing all these characters again it was a blast i had a great time 
Yeah, I echo a lot of what you said already. Opening this episode straight up, Cap Winter Soldier got a huge pop for me. Specifically, the the United Kingdom version of the Cap stealth suit. Oh, was it awesome? Oh, was it glorious? And then she rocks at the entire episode. And I'm just like, this is great because it's reminding me of my, my favorite MCU film. Um, the montage was really cool as well. I uh, didn't really... Didn't really care for Party Thor's quips throughout the episode. I thought he was a little too silly for how powerful he was. But at the same, it's animation. Like, you know, you got to have the jokester in the group. Um, but yeah, the, the selection process was very cool because it did feel like we're getting the gang together. And it was definitely a, a Rick and Morty inspired, like, you son of a bitch, I'm in when he's assembling all his, yeah. all his boys throughout <laughs> time uh, and his multiverse for a mission. This was uh this was fun. I do we've we've chatted about it. We've alluded to it. Let's talk about the one specific jarring uh entry to the Guardians of the Multiverse. Gamora, as we know, uh behind the scenes information, but it's public now. Um, that episode was cut from this season. There was supposed to be a Mad Titan Gamora episode at some point in this season, and it didn't make the rounds, but the characters still did. And we see Tony Stark in Hulkbuster, Sakarian armor, kind of out of nowhere. Badass. <laughs> Badass for sure. As Matt said before we hit record, there to sell toys, essentially. And uh-huh. that that it did. Did this bother you as much as it bothered me? Because I'm not going to lie. I was, I was pretty upset that there was a chunk of information missing that we know exists out there that they just didn't include. Very much pissed me off. Um, it... it... It pissed me off just because they should have opened up the episode. It should have been a quick cut of that episode, a quick five-minute recap of the Mad Titan episode, and that should have been the first selection. But it was just a one-off line. Gamora, uh, Destroyer of Thanos, Survivor of Sakaar. Wow, that's an amazing title. I just wish I could have seen the story. Because in her universe, she killed Thanos after she took the Infinity Stones, using the Infinity Stones Destroyer, worst weapon of all time. Um, and then she's a Sakarian champion, you know, Hulk, Beta Ray Bill, Hercules, Gamora. These are the champions of Sakar. That's so cool. And it's so awesome. And she's with Tony Stark for whatever reason. All amazing things. I just wish we could have seen the episode and I wish it wasn't spoiled here. Um, the, the stone crusher, the infinity stone uh-huh. crusher, man. It's, uh... it's one thing, like I said earlier, it's okay that they have to jump over some explanations because it's 30 minutes. It's animated. We need to get in and out. They did explain, this is built to destroy Infinity Stones. Cool. I'm there. That's fine. You have a weapon that destroys Infinity Stones. Awesome. And then it doesn't work. I hate when they introduce such an important element of something just for it to fail. Like, it's the only reason that was there was to fail. I hate it when they do that, and I hate that it was here. And and I'm sure the episode with Gamora explained it all. You know, I'm sure it had a lot of deep explanation. It's just unfortunate that it got cut. That's actually a very good point. I didn't even consider that the Gamora episode definitely has that weapon involved in it, which would have made me hate it less because yeah. uh, unlike you, I hated both sides to it. I hated that we had a deus ex machina machine of, oh, don't worry. we It's not about taking the stone. We can just destroy them because I have this machine here and it can destroy infinity stones. How How convenient. I get it. It's animation, but we're watching this with a critical eye. And then when it doesn't work, double double negative, unfortunately, didn't equal a positive for me. I was frustrated. And that's another thing, too. The Infinity Stones, what are the rules? What are what's, you know, this guy says I can destroy galaxies with a thought, but he's he can't beat six more or less uh, human individuals with enhancements like what's going on there. 
with Thanos and the Infinity Stones, it's easy to suspend my disbelief because throughout that movie, he's a philosopher. You know, he's not a pillager. He's he's a man with a cause and he doesn't want to kill anyone maliciously. He just wants to carry out his one genocidal action and he needs all six stones to do that. And he's not he's not going to be um, rigorous and, and violent when he has those five stones because it's in his character. Ultron, as far as we're concerned and how it, he's set up, he is pillageful and rigorous and violent and you know he slices thanos in half with one stone now he has all six and he's losing two like it was hard suspending my disbelief didn't work this episode because of that and i i don't know it was it felt rushed the rules weren't super defined i know a lot of people on the direct had problems with the the lack of, of rules within this universe within this episode but yeah it, it, it didn't take away too much from my enjoyment because i did kind of shut my brain off when i pressed play but looking back at it it is hard to re-watch because i feel like those frustrations will boil over yeah and i i couldn't agree with you more the only pushback i would have on the whole you know why didn't he just take care of business supreme strange is a wild card here because two beings were able to talk to the watcher without the watcher talking to them it's vision and supreme strange so i appreciate that that he much like vision and infinity war they need to take out supreme strange in order for anybody to get their job done because he's going to trump everybody and as far as the rules and stuff like i said earlier it comes back to the trump card different universe different rules don't ask too many questions that's okay i'm i'm, I'm okay with that I just don't like that they didn't use that sometimes and they did it other times. It made it kind of pick and choose when you want to care about the rules, you know, and I just, I, I don't love how they set that up stylistically throughout the season. Um, but uh, Hey, if Ultron would have won in age of Ultron, this is, I'm very confident he would have gotten all six stones because he did have one. Like he's people forget Ultron's the first one to use a stone in this, uh, in the MCU other than the dark elves in Dark World, and they weren't using a stone. They were using some mystical power that they didn't know about. They were just using a thing. Ultron knew that it was a stone, and he could use it to advance his power. So I respect that, but Supreme Strange being there to combat him was cool, and um, I just think that it made for a lot of interesting fights, which is what I like. Uh, it's not on the run list here. I want to ask you, the zombies coming out of nowhere. Did you, did you like that? I mean, I, I laughed. It was funny. Um, I thought it was a, a cool move by Doctor Strange, like, "Hey, zombie rain," and and that was dope. But like, what is that? What does that mean for uh, moving forward? The Thanos zombie episode? Are we gonna get zombies part two, or did this kind of ruin it? Because I mean, we saw Wanda here, and Wanda's always a badass. Every time she shows up, she's just always a badass. And, and Doctor Strange said, "It's not the zombies; it's what's comes with the zombies." The witch, Baba Yaga. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think we get zombies part two after this? I still think we do because this this universe ah. <laughs> doesn't really play by any rules. So even if those zombies did come from that world, they'll just magically reappear. And uh, I don't know. I mean, hey, that's animation. It's what if, right? Like, yeah. even though it's it's technically canon, I feel like we always have to look at it with like a little bit of an asterisk because there is so much free reign and it's the vast multiverse with infinite possibilities because there are infinite possibilities 99% of those won't factor into our MCU proper in live action per se. But yeah, I don't think this hurts the chance of a zombie sequel. I, I did think it was like a nice callback to a previous episode because for a season that was so disconnected and discombobulated, it was cool to see, okay, 
you know, there, here's our main characters that we recognize from past episodes assembled in one team. Here's a big part of an episode that a lot of people loved um, getting a little bit of shine in the finale. So I was a fan of that. Uh, I do kind of want to talk about the cliffhanger. I mean, I, I don't really know how we talk about the ending of the episode because they win because of course they win. The good guys have to win. And and where do we go from there? Do you have any thoughts on on how the ending was executed before we get into the the uh, post credit scene? I do have two thoughts. I have I have two thoughts. One, Eric Stevens, Killmonger, straight up bad dude, just a horrible yeah. horrible human being. Like you know, a lot of people look at Black Panther and it was like Eric Stevens is a great villain because he's not wrong. He's a genocidal maniac, sure, but he's not wrong. I'm just starting to think he's just a maniac, you know, because even in this situation, it, I mean, even in his what if situation, he had everything go right for him. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't, I mean, he was, but like he was taken in by Tony Stark of all people and all these things still just a murderer. And then in this situation, they are going up against the greatest being the world has ever seen. The watcher is scared of this dude. And Eric's like, yeah, but you know, I could throw that suit on, you know, I could, I could do this too. Kind of thing. I could be just as bad. So Eric Stevens just straight up bad human being. I really hope he's not a black Panther moving forward because I don't think he's a good person. Um, and then the last thing, I like where Natasha lands here. I like ah, how yeah, yeah. the Watcher does break his one rule one time where he brings Natasha into an alternate 2012 Avengers universe where Loki's trying to take over. What's really cool is that we see Captain Marvel a part of the Avengers here. You know, because we remember from episode three, Fury used his beeper moment way earlier on. When all the Avengers died, Fury's like, all right, got to bring in Carol. And now Carol's a part of the Avengers, which is really awesome. Um, her and Cap are the Avengers, and here's Natasha. And I think that's a really awesome extension of that episode. That's the one episode we didn't get throughout the show until the very end. I was surprised that Captain Marvel wasn't a bigger part of this episode, though. She was such a big part of the whole season. Always, you know, that last big bad for whoever the villain is to fight, looking awesome. I mean, she's, you know, second or third most powerful person in this universe, right? So I understand not putting her in here just to kind of make it a little more interesting. But, um, yeah, I, I think that it's really cool that Natasha landed in the Avengers that we got from the murder mystery episode. Well, I, I have a lot of uh, thoughts to respond to your points. I, I completely glossed over the, the Killmonger bit because it was so jarring of like, like, nah, like, like, let's take over. Like, screw the watcher guy. I was like, I was like, why are we even brought on the team then? What did you add besides conflict? Like, and it felt very like. I checked the runtime before um, that moment happened and I saw how much time was left. I'm like, well, there's no way he's going to like win and they're going to fight him again. They're going to take him out pretty easily, like which they essentially did. And yeah, I, I did like the, uh, the helicarrier scene where Natasha gets plopped back in because I do think that has big live action potential eight, nine years down the line when they do secret wars. I think that would be the, the, the Natasha we get back in live action scarlett johansson won her lawsuit so she's got back paid. Baby. she's she got Yay. paid she got the bag and i think i think if and when she is back it would be as that version of natasha in live action in a secret wars and then what was the last thing you said there was one more thing i want to respond oh captain marvel not being a part of the team yeah. i think that's strictly because her character was not altered whatsoever in what if she's still mcu proper carol danvers every member of the guardians of the multiverse had some twist to it and sure, she is a trump card because of how powerful she is. But I think they wanted to emphasize this is a squad of variants, essentially, as opposed to Captain Marvel, who same suit, same hair, same Carol, like same powers. Nothing has been altered. 
every universe, she's going to come save our ass. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she's always going to be there to help us out, I feel like. And I, you know what, Carol? Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. So moving forward, we do have that one post credit scene. Uh, very unexpected, I would say, I based on everything else we got, um, everything else we predicted, uh, what this show could have as its tag. There's a Hydra Stomper in Batruk's possession. Uh, Black Widow, the one from the Winter Soldier, not the one we had throughout this episode, is there with Captain Carter. And they go, they see the Hydra Stomper, and she says that there's someone inside it. And then the credits roll. This didn't really, like, do anything for my emotions, <laughs> per se. Like, I'm like, oh, Scrawny Steve is back. Like, maybe. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> like, Good glad to have you back. Like, like okay. Um yeah, uh, and also the the future of what if it's not like that's going to be a prime storyline moving forward. It could be the focus of a singular episode, probably will be. But it's not like it's not like any other post credit scene where it's like this is going to be a big narrative. Julia Louise Dreyfus keeps popping up. There's Thanos. Like, where do we go next? Like, this is just. It seemed like a a nice little bow tie on Peggy Carter's storyline since she was such the forefront of this marketing and this season. How did you feel about this post-credit scene? I, I would assume it let you down based off your expectations. Like for sure. Um, this just uh, it could have been a post-credit scene in the Captain Carter episode. It would have worked just the same. I feel like I do like how they started with the Winter Soldier scene and then ended with this scene. Um, I thought that was cool, but um, it all it does is set up the Captain Carter episode for next season, which is great. But you know, I fully admit it. You know, I didn't listen to my own words. I let my expectations ruin what actually happened. I tell people not to do that every single week I hop on here. I did let it happen here. It's just, it's it's so interesting to me that they didn't use this show in any opportunity. Like, there's a few elements, we're about to talk about them, but they didn't use this in a story beat to enhance the MCU or move the ball forward in any way. I'm, I'm just very interested about that. Um, but, you know, there are some more nuanced ideas introduced here that could really have some big impacts come the turn of the calendar year. Yeah, so let's talk about the, the season as a whole. How do we feel about it? Uh, I'll start by just saying, kind of repeating what I said in my initial thoughts. I thought it was a bit too ambitious for its own good. You know, I think this season started, the, the way this season outlined felt super disorganized in the sense that the MCU, live action at least, is so, what's the word? Uh, continuity. Con continuity. Yeah. It's so focused on continuity and everything is meticulous. And Hey, you know, James Gunn, go make Guardians 3 however you want, but here's how you start it and here's how you end it. Fill it in however you want, but here's the pieces of the puzzle that we need to continue. This felt like in the writer's room, all right, yeah, so what if Peggy Carter was a super soldier? Like, what if T'Challa was Star-Lord? What if, what if Thor and Loki, like, were separated at birth for real and then Thor was more of his drunken self from Thor 1? And then there were other elements where it's just like, all right, so, so what if Ultron, right? Ultron wins, but he gets the body, but then he gets all the stones, right? But then he he takes over the multiverse and then the Watcher, he fights him. And now, now he's taken over everything. And like, it felt almost like they blew their load in season one because the season one finale was so encapsulating. Yeah, everything. Like, how do you get bigger from this like we yeah. thought about that with Thanos and then a lot of stuff with Kang has bigger implications right I there I don't think you literally can get bigger than this do you walk yeah. backwards and go back to just anthology standalone stories I think that's beneficial for the show overall but it's it's a weird you know 
We took one step, we took another step, and then we did this giant long jump at the end of season one. And now we're going to slowly backpedal and kind of redefine the show's identity. And I think that'll make me enjoy it overall, but I hate when anything in entertainment backtracks, you know, it's identity doesn't, it's identity doesn't feel um, rigid. It feels like it's going to warp and change over time. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not married to the show. I, I wasn't expecting to be. And I, I wish it the best going forward. And that's kind of my my overall thoughts. Am I too harsh on that, Matt? Absolutely not. No. Um, you know, it's and and I think you had a better approach than I did going in, where like you were so committed to this just being a one-off thing. You know, this is a true side story. We thought Loki was gonna be a true side story. Do you remember that? <laughs> like, like, like we were so confident this was gonna be parallel to the MCU, not in the MCU. And fuck were we wrong. But um this I think I think they tried three or four things in this season. A few a couple of them were really good, and a couple of them were less than good. You know, like not bad. I don't think anything they did was bad. I just think that they tried a handful of different things. Some of them great, some of them good, some of them okay. And when you bring that all together and then try to tie it all up at the end, that brings the whole quality down a little bit for me. Um, I think going into season two, they're going to learn a lot. I think they're going to learn a lot about what happened in season one. You see that with TV all the time. Mando season two learned so much from Mando one. You watch Stranger Things and wow, does that show progress really well season to season, etc. Um, I think that season two of What If is going to have a totally different marketing campaign. I think it's going to have a completely different push and um, I'm excited to see what happens um, in season two, but I'm definitely going to go into it with a little less expectation of MCU tie-in. I just thought, I thought we were going to get at least one thing to tie into live action. And like I said, I think we got little things that could ideal ideology be applied into the MCU, but um, overall, I think I let my expectations get a little ahead of myself. But I'm confident that the reason I did that was because they were heading that way. And then they kind of sidestepped here and there. And then they landed in a place where I wish they would have taken a more direct line to that place. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. A little bit of a surprise question to wrap this up. Not where would you rank it? Are you even going to rank what if on your MCU rankings? No. Yeah. No, if I were, if I were, it would be last. Not because it's worse than Thor Dark World, not because it's worse than The Incredible Hulk for me, but because I think that those movies have redeemable qualities in the characters. And I just I just I just don't have any like back info on these characters. Um, I just think that this show is more fun than good. And the MCU doesn't have a lot of that. The MCU does not have a lot of more fun than good type things. And um uh, yeah, so um, it's hard to rank it in there, but if I would, I think I put it last. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm not going to rank it because it doesn't feel as MCU as I expected it to feel, and that's going to be hard with animation. We do know they have a giant animation division, not just this one show. There's an animation division at Marvel getting worked on, and it's going to be hard for it to find its identity, and I think it is going to stutter a little bit. I'm confident it'll get there eventually. Will it take maybe five or six years? I think so. The early seasons of Clone Wars, I haven't seen the show to completion, but I struggled to watch season one. I finished it, I struggled, and I kind of fell off. And all my friends, guys like Jack Pews, guys like my friend Luke from home, all say, yeah, but season one's rough. It it finds its footing. 
if what if follows the same path, I'm sure we'll get to, to good seasons eventually, but I agree. If it were to be on my rankings, it would come dead last, unfortunately, because all other, you know, 20 something MCU projects have a cohesive story. This mm-hmm. one doesn't. And that loses my interest. And it, and, it, and it wasn't supposed to, you know what I mean? We shouldn't fault it for that, but when you're putting it up with the MCU that has so much cohesiveness, it's hard not to. Um, better than Let There Be Carnage. Yes or no? I was never angry watching What If. Hey, nailed it. All right. <laughs> All right. That has been What If. <laughs> that has been What If, as Matt said it. More fun than good. I think that's how we hang our heads on What If. And yeah. now we move forward full steam ahead into Hawkeye with a couple theatrical bumps along the road. Really just one with Eternals. But I'm sure in our weekly recs, we will mention a couple of the October releases coming soon. Can't wait for No Time to Die. Can't wait for Dune. But that being said, that is our full review of what if our fourth ever marvel studios project reviewed to completion and we once upon a time kicked this podcast off by reviewing a star wars show called the mandalorian and we welcomed a very special guest on for a couple of those episodes named jack pews and it wouldn't be a one-year anniversary special if we didn't get jack back on the pod we got a draft on the other end let's go Ladies and gentlemen, a very special episode of the Direct Podcast. Not one, not two, but three feature segments. And we are going to start our second one off with uh, the yellow brand. We're going to go into a galaxy far, far away. And Liam, when we head into space, when we go into light speed, when we make the Kessel Run, we have to bring on our boy. We have to bring on our guy. We have to bring on our Star Wars correspondent. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only from Duval, Jack Hughes. Jack, how we doing? Man, I'm doing so good. We talked a little bit about it. You know, Jacksonville's kind of like in a dumpster fire right now with sports, but we don't care about that because we're going to a galaxy far, far away. I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, they do not have football in Tatooine. And, you know, there's no open college positions in Tatooine for Meyer to take. So I think we're going to steer clear of the man this week. Liam, what are we drafting today? We are drafting the best Star Wars costumes. Talk about a seismic topic for a a finale of an ultimate phase, a phase that really started with a Star Wars property in The Mandalorian. It's full circle, and I love it. Absolutely. We did the MCU costumes draft. It was one of my favorites. I think it was so much fun. Uh, It was one of our first drafts, if I'm not mistaken, Liam. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to round it out here with Star Wars. Jack, you're a guest. You've been on this show three or four times, but you've never done a draft it's so crazy to think about that and uh because of that the rules say you get first pick so jack will go first i'll go second liam we'll take the turn three rounds all star wars costumes jack what is the 101 for the direct podcast star wars costume draft oh man i mean look this is a little nerve-wracking i know how serious you guys take this i'm a competitive person by nature i think i showed that on direct debates a while ago but uh (laughs) Yeah, I didn't win, unfortunately. Liam took the crown there, but that's okay. I'll try to win this. Uh, (laughs) uh, With the first pick here, got to be bold. I got to go with my guy, Darth Vader. I mean, it's as iconic as you can get. Um, He's one of the first characters you see in Star Wars in general, if you start with A New Hope. Um, But I think one of the one of the least like talked about things with this costume is that George Lucas always said like in Return of the Jedi, he wanted to show like a broken down man. He wanted to show the emotional and physical wear and tear of Anakin Skywalker. 
you never in a million years would believe that someone like that is under that mask when you first see Darth Vader. Like he is the most in, like intimidating figure in all of movies, not just Star Wars, not just these, these geek universes that we love. Darth Vader is, to me, I, I, no matter what, I know who's under that mask now, but he's always striking fear in me. And you see it in Rogue One too. And of course, you get the lightsaber, you get the red lightsaber, very similar to Anakin's blue lightsaber in terms of style. And talk about the contrast when he pulls that thing out in Rogue One and it just lights up the dark black suit. Complete and utter terror. Darth Vader, it doesn't get better than that, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a great pick. I'm glad it's off the board because I feel like it's one that has to go round one. And me being the third pick, I didn't expect it to get to me, so I didn't really consider it on my draft board. But yeah, it's an easy one-on-one, you know, me being a contrarian by nature. I like to switch things up and not go with the obvious choice. But at the same time, like, how do you not pick Darth Vader? It's so easy to overlook it because it's so ingrained in pop culture, but just everything from the breathing apparatus to the lightsaber, to the chest plate, to the way the helmet kind of looks like a crown almost and the eyes and everything. It's perfect. Uh, Even the little red glow, which is like a a visual effects miscue that they worked to their advantage. Uh, I love that it stays the same throughout every movie. I remember hearing stories about early storyboard ideas where they're going to make tweaks to it in Empire Strikes Back and update the armor. It stays the same because it's classic. It's got pizzazz. It's one of the most recognizable villain suits in all of film history. And it's an easy one-on-one. Jack, you might have already won this draft. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to play great on the graphic. Uh, the We grew up with the prequels. All three of us did. You know what I mean? So, like, they have a special place in our heart nostalgically. Critically, there's so many holes you can poke in those prequels. I think what it did, it's a Darth Vader origin story. That's what the prequels are, right? It did such a good job at the very last bit of uh, episode three when they're assembling Darth Vader, and then you get probably the mm. worst delivered line of all time. No! <laughs> a classic. What a scary scene that is, though, when the helmet comes off. Because that's when oh. you know. If you didn't know that Anakin became Darth Vader, that's when you knew. Mm-hmm. And it was such a... And also, the Darth Vader outfit, the helmet, everything, it's the silhouette of the probably the greatest action scene of all time in uh, Return of the Jedi. So... I think that that shot up on the bridge in the, uh, in the, uh, what's called the throne room. No. Mm. Yeah. Throne room. Yeah. 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 The emperor sitting. Yeah. Oh no, not Mustafar. Excuse me. Return of the Jedi. Um, That silhouette shot, you know, the classic star Wars shot with the lightsabers clashing with the Vader helmet, I think is just such an iconic thing. Plus one of the greatest capes ever. Oh, just an enormous unnecessary cape. (laughs) And it's awesome. Um, I got the second pick here. I'm, I do this every week. Um, I'm going to play the fire a little bit. I got to pick I really want. I don't think Liam's going to take it on his turn. There's a lot of uh, heavy hitters off the top. As contrarian as he is, I know Liam's got, you know, he's going to pick a couple, you know, good draft getters here. You know, he's been really good at that lately. So I'm going to do the same. I'm going to stick with my, stick with the guns of the draft. I'm taking Han Solo. Um, you know, you get the vest, you get the the puffy white shirt, which is so sexy for no reason. You know what I mean? It doesn't need to be, it's not effective at all. It's just hot. And then you get the blaster too. You know what I mean? Like that, that whole ensemble, it's one of the best costumes. Um, You know, like when you're dressing up as Star Wars for Halloween, the Han Solo costume always plays. The vest is cool. It's just cool. It's absolutely cool. I think I get uh Harrison Ford's hair here. I think, oh, I yeah. think that's a part of it. Yeah. So 
I think that might win me the draft. You know, you we know what picture I'm putting up. He's leaning back. He's playing with the little rocks. Oh, yeah. Thing. I mean, come on. That's easy. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Han Solo. I'm taking my favorite character off the board with a great costume right from A New Hope. Um, so, yeah, Han Solo. You know, I, it, it was towards, it, it wasn't like at the top of my list, but you can't really get better than Harrison Ford just rocking. You know, like we said, that, that picture where he's playing with the wall behind him. I mean, he just, he just rocks it. And you, it's, uh, oh my God, what's it called? Where you put your gun, the holster? Is that holster. what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the way it sits on his leg and everything. And you get a little bit of the chest opening up with that yep. shirt. I mean, it, Harrison Ford, peak Harrison Ford in 77. What a great pick. And yes, yes, Matt, the hair. Hard yeah, to beat the hair. On. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. Han Solo, his OG costume is one of the most recognizable. It's one of the easiest to do for Halloween, which is very nice. You know, you don't have to go too out of your way, get a black vest, get a nice white Henley, some jeans, and you're set. But the only reason why I'm going to combat it a little bit is it's not my favorite Han Solo costume. I love the Hoth attire with the blue jacket and the, the white shirt jacket. underneath um han solo just he never shies away from good fashion like he always comes to the dance prepared even when he returns uh as you know old rugged harrison ford in the force awakens you know the 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 leather jacket he's got going on then eventually when he dons a nice navy blue kind of calling back to empire strikes back when they are on star killer base i love it and so han solo is a great pick um we got two very big recognizable picks in the first round. So I feel like I got to just round out round one with iconic looks from the original trilogy. And I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some replies on this tweet, but I got to go with it. It's slave Leia, baby. We got, we got Darth Vader. We'll call it empire strikes back. We'll go Han Solo. We'll call it a new hope. This is the return of the Jedi costume. I, I don't even know how to analyze it yeah, without, yeah, just ahead, sound, without just sounding like, you know, a, a six-year-old kid watching the Star Wars movies for a first time and realizing like, oh man, I'm about to become a man today. Uh, <laughs> Slave, Slave Leia is iconic. That scene, that costume makes that scene in a scene that has Luke debuting the green lightsaber and saving his friends and the Sarlacc pit, which, you know, is a big crux for a Star Wars project we're going to get in a couple weeks. But Slave Leia is the most recognizable thing from that scene. Uh, one of the most recognizable costumes from that movie. And here we are, you know, 40 years later, and it's still getting brought back up in, in modern pop culture. And Matt, when you referenced before we hit record on this particular segment, it's got relevancy in Friends. I know it has relevancy somewhere in the Big Bang Theory. That's yep. basic. That's purely off a of guess, but I know it's in there somewhere. And yeah, Slave Leia. Is that a is that a weird uh, first round pick? You decide, but it's my pick, and I'm rocking with it. <laughs> yeah, I understand why people have a problem with it. I totally do. And you know, Carrie Fisher has had her say about it, or had her say about it. Um, but I think it it really shows like just how disgusting Job of the Hut is. Like <laughs> that, that's I, like he's horrible. He is horrible. a horrible not human being, but a being, I mean, he's just disgusting. And so it always played into that for me as like, you know, I knew this was wrong, but at the same time, I mean, it's famous for a reason. It's, it, it really is a classic and people cosplay it all the time. Um, I believe Robbie Fox, friend of the show. I know I've seen that picture around town. Um, yeah. So it's a good pick. You will get some replies, Liam, but uh, I understand why it had to be taken. 
It's really hot. That's all I got to say. Liam, your second round pick. <laughs> this, I'm torn here. I'm torn here, really, because yeah. I know I will get my third round pick. I know that for a fact. I think it's a little obscure, and that's why I'm saving it. But there's two that I really want, but I don't want to give up that third round pick. So I got to choose between two. And I'm going to give the edge to the character I like more. Um, and that's Kylo Ren. I love Kylo Ren. Oh, man, I got some I got some sighs of relief right now going on because I know there's not so much love for my boy Adam Driver based off, you know, how we left him in The Rise of Skywalker. However, However. when we met him in The Force Awakens, he was such a presence, man. The, the layers to his costume are, are fascinating because even though it's essentially a black cloak, it's so different depending on how he wears it. If he wears it with the hood up and the mask, it's super intimidating as we got in that first scene. When he wears it with the hood down and just the mask, a little less intimidating. It's not my favorite look. The, the helmet looks kind of weird. But when he first takes that helmet off and you see the perfectly groomed hair and, you know, I got some love for some perfectly groomed hair. Shout out Adam Driver's locks in The Force Awakens. They are Absolutely. unbelievable. Hit me up with what conditioner you used in that movie. Anyways, the lightsaber also makes this costume mm -hmm. the chaotic nature of, of the blade itself representing how how chaotic his mind is and, and how everything could explode at once and it's just fighting to stay cohesive and then obviously the hilt the hilt is what makes it unique from other lightsabers we've seen in star wars and i love it it's simple you know it's a simple cloak great lightsaber and the masquerade mask on top of the helmet and I'm going to pretend that the Force Awakens one with the red, not the Force Awakens, the Rise of Skywalker one with the red, you know, glue on it doesn't exist for this graphic. I would like it to just be the Force Awakens Kylo Ren. And it's badass. It's one of the only, I don't know what the, the level is between toys, hot toys, and then the one that's like a little more expensive. It's like the Black Series, if that sounds Black familiar. Yeah. I have a Black Series Kylo Ren for this nice. specific reason. The costume rocks, the lightsaber rocks. I love you, Adam Driver. Yeah, that that that's a good pick. Uh, I I kind of forgot about the lightsaber. Surprisingly, I, when I was saying, because I just I think about the mask, and you know when I initially saw it without the hood on, watching Force yeah. Awakens, I wasn't that big of a fan of it, but because it, it it resembled Vader so much, and I was like, he's just trying to be Vader. But that's the point. I mean, he's yeah. trying to live up to his grandfather's name or his evil name, I should say. Um, and so it kind of reveals that aspect of the character, which I like, and I love. I love Snoke's line about it. You're just a child in a mask. And I think that mask is like a perfect representation of it. And same with the lightsaber. That lightsaber is going to be classic forever. Absolutely. Um, I love how you point out the chaotic nature of that lightsaber. It's our first modern day lightsaber. You know what I mean? The prequels yeah. were lightsaber heavy throughout the entire thing. But like, this is our first real like post Iron Man CGI lightsaber, which is like amazing. Um, the uh, the mask, I, I love the story behind the mask more than I love the mask. I don't love the actual design of the mask too much. I mean, it's cool. Don't get me wrong. But like it, it, it's, it doesn't do it all for me. But the story behind it, he is just trying to be Vader. He is just he is just a kid in the mask. You know what I mean? He's kind of a little bitch about it. But I don't even mean that like in a mean way. That's his story. He's kind of a yeah, little bitch right. about it. And it's the mask really <laughs> does a lot for that. Um, and it's just it's really cool. You think of that first shot where he stops the the uh, the uh, blaster, you know, where he mm -hmm. stops it, and it's just and it's just him Fantastic. holding it there and his hands shaking a little bit like that. That's where the mask really hits for me because it's half it's half shown up by the fire. It's good. It's a great pick. Um, I am excited you didn't take my pick. It's also a modern day pick. Another uh, two back to back post twenty ten 
picks. Um, it's it's as modern as it gets, guys. It's Mando. It's the yeah. Beskar armor. It's the sexiest thing ever. It's got a story behind it. It evolves throughout the show, which is something we've never seen in Star Wars. It's a video game level um, evolvement of the outfit. You know, what I mean, you pick up pieces of armor as you go, and then he walks into that bar with Carl Withers, and he's a and he's just like, why is everybody staring at me? Because they're jealous, man. You know, you're the guy. You're the guy. You're walking around with $8 billion on you. You know, that, that's the kind of thing Beskar does. Um, the fact that we know so much and care so much about Beskar, the metal, you know, like uh, similar to Valerian Steel in Game of Thrones. Um, and then he gets a full suit. Of it. <laughs> like it's, it looks good. It's got a great story behind it. It's gonna, it's gonna continue to be awesome as we go. If we get Mandalore in this next episode, imagine Mando showing up with an entirely Beskar suit. Like he's gonna show up famous if he's wearing that thing on Mandalore. So I think that's really awesome. So yeah, Mando Beskar armor. Couldn't be happier with that in the second round. Yeah, it's a great pick. It's the one I was debating personally between the two. I wanted to get a modern day pick in there and. I, like I said, I strictly went down to the character that I liked more. I will admit the best car armor has so much more potential moving forward in terms of the additions. We saw simply in season one how awesome it was just as a suit of armor. Season two, he gets the jetpack and then he gets to, you know, flex the remind me of the rifle's name again. It's like the pulse. It's a big sniper. I, I'm going to yeah, think of it. One. I don't even think I have it. <laughs> I'm going to think of it because I used it in Fortnite all the time when they had the Mandalorian season going on. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that's a great pick. Uh, and I wish it was on my team, but I had to sacrifice. There you go. Yeah, for sure. I yeah, I don't know if you guys saw. I made a little bit of a face because that Mando pick, like it just hits my heart because I, 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 I don't know. I love Mando. The, the second season was fantastic. Same with the first. But uh, another part of the costume is, uh, is it Whistling Birds? Oh yeah. Is that what it's called? Oh my yep. gosh. That part, like I, not only obviously like the weapon itself is cool, but the way it looks and when it comes out at first and he just kind of goes like that, it's flying around everywhere. I think that's go ahead, Matt. And the callback when he, when he whips them out in season two and baby Yoda's like, yep, I'm dipping. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I completely forgot about that. I need to do a rewatch. Um, I know, but yeah. And then it just highlights how cool Beskar is because like Beskar was always a thing, but like even someone like me, who's really steeped into star Wars lore, I didn't realize how cool it was. And yeah. like you said, Valyrian steel, but for star Wars. Um, yeah. Great pick. Um, and honestly, I mean, you just gave us a Mandalorian. I'm going to go with a Mandalorian as well. And that's going to be Boba Fett. Uh, oh um, yeah. Yeah, I look, it's cool and it's badass. And we don't have Mando without this Boba Fett costume first. Um, and they literally he's he became one of the most popular characters in Star Wars by just standing there and looking cool. I mean, he did nothing. That's why people were so disappointed in Return of the Jedi when he just got axed so quickly. Um, luckily, Man Mando fixed that. But um, yeah, he he's the OG Mandalorian. He, he spun off a million other Mandalorian costumes that exist throughout Star Wars, especially in the Clone Wars. And and yeah, to me, he's the OG. So I, I'm kind of glad, Matt, you took Mando because I would have been a little stuck between taking Mando and Boba. But I think I think for me, Boba's the, the right pick here. 
Man, Jack, do you have a sexy lineup on this draft graphic? Jesus yep. Christ. <laughs> the the Empire Strikes Back's costumes alone uh, are unbelievable. And yeah, as you said, Boba Fett was created literally to sell toys because of how yep. cool he looked. And there yeah. wasn't a backstory originally. It was just, oh, yeah, his, his name's Boba Fett. He's a, he's a, you know, sniper guy. He's a bounty hunter. I don't know why I forgot the word for bounty hunter. And he looks cool. And I, I will also add, I, I'm a much bigger fan of his armor when He's got a little dirt on it. You know, he's got a little dirt on his uniform when there's chinks in it, when the color is fading. Not a big fan of the sleek look that he's got going on in Mandalorian. But that's also that's his fresh uniform. We best believe by the end of Book of Boba Fett, he's going to have some some chinks and we'll, we'll be back to Empire Boba Fett in no time. People forget, Jack, you also get Cobb Vanth here. You know what I mean? You'll Oh, so, well, thanks for helping me out there, Matt. Again, yeah, forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, Need that, a Mando I mean, The fact, the fact that he stole that armor, and you know, like, mm-hmm. and and Mando's so upset about it, adds to the lore. You know, the original Wonder Woman 1984, just here to sell toys. Love <laughs> that he's getting a flesh out. Love that he's getting a series, and um, I think it's gonna be nothing but awesome. There's something about green metal, like that army mm. green metal, it had a yeah. military and kind of vibe to it. And the red. It's such a unique color set. You know, as a designer, green and red, I never put on a graphic just because Christmas, right? That's the first mm-hmm. thing you think of. They they made it cool with the rust and metal look. And I think it's a it's it's such a great pick. I thought that's where Liam was going um, with his second round pick. So I'm really excited that you took it there. And Jack, you get to kick off the third round by rounding out your team. Yeah. So, I mean, according to my draft board, if I go with it, I'm going to get my top three picks here. Hey. And it's it's a little bit I, I don't know if you call it a dark horse. I, I don't know if you guys would classify it as that. For me, it's not. I think uh, maybe for some Star Wars animated fans, it's not. Uh, and I don't know if you guys are going to let me get away with this, but I'm going with all the clone troopers. Explain to me uh, what the difference between clone trooper and stormtrooper is. Clone troopers were the ar- the Grand Army of the Republic built for the Republic during uh, the Civil War, that they, Galactic Civil War they had in the prequels. Stormtroopers are completely different people. We actually see that in the Bad Batch. It's like a transition to the Stormtroopers. Um, so, yeah. It's the I prequel mean, Stormtroopers. You, you know. Yeah, it, it really oh, okay. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why do yeah, you love that pick? Well, I'll tell you why, Matt. I mean, of course, <laughs> it looks cool just like the Stormtroopers look cool. But it's... It's the detail when it comes to like different units within the yeah. Clone Wars um, and and the different, you know, the clones, one of the big things about the Clone Wars is they're different personalities. They're not just like these exact clones of each other. They have personalities. They have uh, behavioral traits and they they show that in uh, on their armor throughout the show. You know, you get Rex with his like, I think it's called Jag eyes on his helmet. Uh, you get fives. His, his name is five. So he's got a five on there. Um, but of course, the different units, I'm going to list them off here. You got Anakin's 500 first, of course, the blue and white. Awesome. You got the Bad Batch. You got the Shock Troopers. You got Arc Troopers. And my personal favorite, Ahsoka's 332nd Company, her division of the 501st. If you guys ever watch Clone Wars, you'll see it. Maybe you already saw it in trailers You're making me want to right now. You're, you're <laughs> doing a great it, job. You, you might have seen it in uh, the uh, Clone Wars trailers for Season 7, but... Uh, Part of the 501st does a little bit of a paint job to honor uh, Ahsoka Tano. And, you know, she's got the orange, she's got the white, she's got the blue, and it all fits perfectly. And it symbolizes her emotional attachment to them. And honestly, just highlights the devastation of the end of the Clone Wars in general. So I'm so happy I got this pick. A little bit of a dark horse, but man, there's just so much to it. It had to be your pick there. And and I'm really glad you got it. I remember the episode two video game on PlayStation, not PlayStation 2. 
PlayStation where you right. got to pick your stormtrooper and they only had like four or five options at the time. But like that was always so fun because you got the bounty trooper and the sniper and all that different stuff. Um, I feel like that kind of takes stormtrooper off the board for me anyway. You know, like I can't have you take all those great stormtroopers and then I just take the classic. Still great, don't get me wrong. But like you get so much there and you're right. Like I, I'm not an animated Star Wars guy, but I do know about the variants of stormtrooper and the personality traits behind it and just the military and aspect to it. I think that's really cool. And you get so much there. Um, and uh, yeah, I, the, the colors bouncing off the white with all those different variations, always mm-hmm. awesome. And then out of nowhere, you know, you'll get a green one, you'll get a red one, all that right. different stuff. Right. It's always sick. So um, it's a great pick. It's a Jack Pius pick. You had to take it. Though. It is a Jack Pius pick. <laughs> And it's a sneaky investment pick because you gotta you gotta imagine they'll be back for Obi Wan if and when we get flashbacks. So, yeah, big fan. Uh, the only detractor I will say is in live action. Aren't they most of them all CGI? Yes, Liam. I just I, I like I like my costumes. I like my costumes live action. I just well, I don't know. Just I think in I think in Attack of the Clones, there's some real ones, but like whenever you get like a big group of them and then Revenge of the Sith, yeah, they're all CGI. But yeah, animation's a little bit cooler. Than <laughs> like the Hail Hydra scene from First Avenger, where it's literally just a repeater of the exact same guy over yep. and over yep. and over. Yep. And over. <laughs> um, no, but like, hey, but bouncing off that though, you know, some good use of that CGI. What's the red hair guy's name in the sequel trilogy? General Hux? General Hux, when he's given oh, that gosh. Nazi speech Red, off the General bridge, Hux, yeah. and then you, and then you look out and you see the whole army there, like that is such a good look. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's an intimidating is. force, and they're all in section. It's very very cool. Um, all right, I'm here at my last pick. I got a Mando pick. I got Han Solo. I'm really not sure where to go. Um, bah, 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 bah. okay. So I, I honorable mentions. I'm going to talk about one specific costume off the top that I'm not going to pick here, but I do want to talk about it pretty specifically. Torn between two, so I'm going to go Ahsoka. Um, both live action and animated. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not an animated Star Wars guy. I played the video games, though, and, and I've seen the pictures, and I know how dope Ahsoka is. She had that bead instead of the braid for a Padawan thing because she doesn't have hair. Her outfit's always just so, um, you know, like warrior-esque. You know what I mean? It's got a, uh, it's got a uh, um, Diana Prince kind of vibe to it a little bit. You know, it's a little Wonder Woman-like, and I really dig that. And um, she's such a good fighter. And, you know, I've seen every single Ahsoka fight on YouTube, um, but, um, you know, and her outfit just really lets her do that, lets her eat a little bit. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, with the, the blue and white is just so iconic and awesome and it bounces so good. And in live action, when we see her with the hood and we get the dual lightsabers, uh, but one's a little shorter than the other. The first time I saw that, I gasped. I was like, oh. This is the coolest looking character of all time. <laughs> like there's there's no debate. Like this is the coolest looking character of all time. And and she kicks ass and it's only one episode. And we're gonna get an entire series. This is an investment pick. One of Liam's favorite things to do in these drafts mm-hmm. is pick looking forward. I think this is a big one here. People aren't talking about Ahsoka enough. They're not. Like no. that episode broke the internet, and they're not talking about the fact that it's getting an entire show. Um, and when Boca's hand and Ahsoka get on screen together, eventually it's just gonna look so cool. It's gonna look so cool, and I can't wait. Gosh. You're getting me excited, Matt. You're getting me excited for yeah. that show. Yeah, not enough people are talking about it, and I get it. It's probably not coming out. I would assume till 2023. Um, but yeah, her her outfits are so interesting because, like, if you don't look close enough, you'd think it's like almost the same thing each time. I mean, there's a transition in the Clone Wars when she goes from like a very like Padawan esque outfit to a little bit more mature. But they almost kind of look the same. But when you look closely, I mean, there's a lot of detail there. And I think 
oh, I might be wrong about this, but I think Bo-Katan or some Mandalorian gave her like some kind of Mandalorian headpiece that she wears in Clone Wars season seven. Uh, might be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, and the way she looks in live action, I couldn't have asked for more. Like as someone who's been watching her since 2008, that was, I, like, I hate using this word, but it was perfect. Mm -hmm. I, like, I can't imagine. I mean, they could have maybe made her, I think it's called Lakeu or something a little bit bigger, but who cares? It's live yeah. action. It's a transition. It's it's fantastic. And yeah, the lightsabers, the white lightsabers. I get the white lightsabers. <laughs> oh my gosh. What, what a pick. Yeah, great pick there, Matt. Yeah, it's a great pick. I don't have a ton to add. And that episode specifically was, I can pinpoint that as one of the first feelings of in event television in Disney Plus mm -hmm. um, history, because yeah. we all knew it was coming. We knew like the week in advance, this is the Ahsoka episode. It was one I stayed up until 3 a.m. for and I just had adrenaline the whole, the whole time, which is rare. It's three in the morning. I should be tired. But when those white lightsabers come out, ooh, we're going to get a lot more of that going forward. And yeah, great investment pick for sure. Yeah, can't wait. William, round us off. Star Wars costume draft, final pick, Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> well, I, I would hate to call this pick Mr. Irrelevant. Technically, no, it is. I mean, but that's what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. the last pick. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. But this one, you know, there's not a lot of flash to it as uh, all of us have our lightsaber picks. Uh, there's not a lot of spotlight to it as all of us have our main character picks as well. But it's one that anytime it's on screen, it just makes me feel like a kid again. And I don't know why, but it is the X-Wing pilot costume specifically yeah. from the original trilogy. Yes. I like the ones in the sequels. Yes. They're just a little... They're a little sleeker to its disadvantage in the sense that they it feels more organized. The the X-Wing uh, pilot costumes from the original trilogy feels ragtag. It feels rebellion. It feels like, you know, hey, we just got a big shipment in. They're all size XL. Put it on, kid. That's, that's what we're working with. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. Like, the helmets are dusty. Luke in it looks so slick. I love the idea that they committed to him being an X-Wing pilot in the first movie. They didn't feel yes. the need to like, you know, here's the lightsaber and here's your lightsaber fight. Nah, kid, you're running the, you're running the dog fight and it's awesome. And there's just something about it, man. Like I, I got some images pulled up here because I wanted to kind of analyze it as I speak about it. And I don't know what it is, but it's just so definitively Star Wars for a fighter pilot costume. You would think that that would be something so hard to make uniquely Star Wars in a galaxy where you have, lightsabers and robes and so much stuff that you can definitively say that's from outer space this is something that you would say oh well we have those in the real world so how are we going to make it stand out as unique to this franchise and they did somehow and it's just awesome and if i'm going to be sneaky i do i get next wing with this does it come with the costume no 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 no, no, no. Completely different draft. fair <laughs> enough fair enough completely different draft. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah. I love how you try to sneak that in, though. That's my point. <laughs> That's my guy. I, I can't. I can't help but gush over this. But there, if there's one accessory, I absolutely get it's the X-wing helmet, and oh, that's sure. that can speak for itself. It's one of the best Star Wars accessories out there. If we ever want to do that draft, but yeah, that rounds out my team. I knew I was going to sneak it in because it's not exactly a a heavy hitter. But I think with that analysis, I think you guys would appreciate that it definitely deserves to be on this draft board. Very next pick on my list. Yeah, oh, it was on wow. my list too. Okay. Very next pick on my list. Okay, yeah. we got some love for the pilots, baby. <laughs> you get that you get that scene. Red leader checking in. 
blue leader checking it, oh. yellow leader checking it. Like you get that scene. Like and, yep. and you can't beat that. And then you know, for the new age Star Wars fans, you know, like obviously none of us grew up with the originals. I was you know more of a kid during the prequels than y'all were for the sequel trilogy. When Ray puts that helmet on and you hear the oh, theme, you yeah. hear Ray's theme for the very first time. Like she, you know, this chick's gonna be a rebel at that point, and it's just such an amazing right. moment. And you get the logo, man. You get the rebel mm. logo, the coolest fucking logo in Star Wars. Better than the Jedi, better than the Sith. The rebel logo, it's the coolest thing, and it's yeah, it's a great pick. Awesome. I'm so glad it made it on the board. I'm so glad yeah. it made it on the board. I really am. Absolutely. There are a few things, and I mean, there are a lot of things in the original trilogy where it's like you can't quite explain it when you see it, when you hear it it just does something to you. And the rebel pilot outfit is definitely one of those things. And I've been fortunate enough to go to galaxy's edge and Walt Disney world. And they have like a little pre preview room where they're taking you through like what the story is going to be. And you see, it's the sequel trilogy, but you see Oscar Isaac in the uh, oh. X wing on a camera and he's got the outfit on, he's got the helmet on. And you're like, I'm in star Wars right now. Like this, this is star Wars. And so Liam, that, that it is, it's not like the, you know, the most spectacular or anything, but it absolutely deserved to be taken here. 100%. It's a great pick. To round out the teams, let's go to the review real quick. Jack, you picked Darth Vader, Boba Fett, and the Clone Troopers. I got Han Solo, Mando's Beskar armor, and Ahsoka, Tano, Liam, you got Slave Leia, Kylo Ren, and an X-Wing pilot outfit. I'm going to kick off honorable mentions. It's, it's um, I, I told you I was picking between two. I wasn't going to pick one of these and X-Wing pilot, so I do want to shout out uh, Ray's throne room outfit in The Last Jedi. Just the brown so robes, just her hair is just her hair is down. so badass. And she is just such a badass in that movie, dude. And it's just something about her throne room outfit, playing off snow, playing off, you know, it, you get that amazing panel shot, the three planes of action shot with the panels falling down. It's my favorite shot in the sequel trilogy, hands down, bar none, no question. And I think her outfit really just plays into it. It's a samurai look. You know, it's a real, and that's, oh, for sure. and, you know, when you, when you look at the Jedi, that's what the bases are, space samurai. And it really has that vibe to it that we, I don't think we've seen um, with uh, our first female Jedi, obviously, you know, which makes it a little tough to, you know, compare it to anything, but I think it's just such a badass kind of look. So Ray's throne room outfits, my first honorable mention. Anybody? Yeah, I would have to. I would have to say scavenger ray too. I mean, the three buns. I oh, mean, yeah. I see Halloween time, dude. I see so many rays and I love it. Like I and going to Galaxy's Edge and seeing little girls dress up with that three bun hairdo going on in the outfits and they get to meet the ray that's there. It's just it warms my heart. I uh, can't go wrong there. And I think another one I have, uh, let me scroll here. Orson Krennic. Yeah, that that one was on there. Um, it, it's just it's the all white, and he's got the cape too. And he's someone who's always being like put down or put in his place in that movie. Yet the whiteness and the white color of his outfit just still makes him formidable to me. So another obnoxious cape, just obnoxious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Liam, you got any? Yeah, I got a couple. Orson Krennic was at the top of my list. Uh, a lot of people will point to us missing Darth Maul uh, on this draft. But the difference yeah. with Darth Maul is like when we're talking costume, I think of something that you put on. Darth Maul right. is so it's yeah. it's the skin, it's the war paint, um, it's the eyes and everything. Mm -hmm. um, I had a couple more and I'm just kind of like X-Men. What's up? Toad, toad from X-Men. Yep. Yes, sir. Ray Park. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? Same thing that happens to everything else. Hell yeah. Oh, um, that was great, guys. 
Chewbacca. <laughs> Chewbacca is a sneaky one. Obviously, the fur makes oh, yeah. the costume, but I love like just the little belt he's got going on. Sash, yeah. And mm-hmm. a an, an investment pick that I will make because it hasn't happened in live action yet. Uh, if we're talking generals uh, or just members of high authority in the Empire, I think Grand Admiral Thrawn is going to have a sexy costume come Ahsoka. And I cannot wait for that character. And I can't wait to see who they cast to play him because I don't want to say make or break, but if they get guys that I, I would like to see, like a Cumberbatch, it will skyrocket my enthusiasm for that show. The blue playing off that white is going to be... I completely mm-hmm. forgot about that until just now. That's that's a great call yeah. there. And yeah, I'm excited to see who plays them. Some people think it's going to be the voice actor who played him in Rebels, Lars Mikkelsen, I think, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm stoked to see what that looks like in live action. Yeah, the second Mickelson in Star Wars. Um, Leia is all white. Leia is all white from the A New Hope classic. You know, you want to talk about Halloween costumes? That's the one. Um, I, I did have Leia's slave outfit on here. Lando, we miss Lando with his cape. Good call. You know, like when you talk about fashion, that's it. Um, which is great. Um, I do want to shout out a uh, Solo, horrible movie. Kira's red cape though. Holy oh, shit, I dude. yeah, that was a dark horse what for a me too. Badass she is. Yeah. Um, Poe Dameron's jacket. Just straight up Poe Dammer jacket for whatever reason. I just have that one scene in my head. Who talks first? You talk, I talk, you talk. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to talk. Um, and then my last one I had, where to go? I just had it on here. Oh, this is lame. This is really lame. Okay, no, that was it. That was all I had. Um, mm-hmm. so guys, that was a really fun draft. Jack, thank you so much for coming on with us. I cannot wait. Um, what is your what are you most looking forward to with Book of Boba Fett? I think just more adventures uh, with that character. You know, we, we get a little bit backstory more on the Clone Wars. Um, but again, he's always just been a character that's looked cool. And Mando finally gave us something more than that. So I just want to dive in. You know, they're talking about doing flashbacks with him to the time of Empire Strikes Back um, in the original trilogy. So I just want to know more about the character. And there's been some crazy speculation online, some exclusives dropped recently about the show. And uh, they got me excited for sure for the action. I do want to shout out. I remember the one I forgot. Fennec Shane's helmet. Oh yeah, it's a sneaky little good pick. eye slip. Yeah, badass. <laughs> She's a badass. Jack, thank you so much, buddy. <laughs> thank you guys so much for having me on. It's great to be back. I can't wait to talk more Star Wars with you guys soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Fandom is upon us. DC Cyber Event announcing and showing and telling all of their major projects for the next calendar year. Last year during the pandemic major success an online presentation of everything coming from the dc universe round two is coming up very very soon but before that we're going to give our predictions we're going to you know see what we think might be happening in the second installment of dc fandom ahead of the 2021-2022 slate but liam Mm. it's a lot of projects a lot of power a lot of dc things happening so we can't handle that ourselves there's no way so who do we bring in you know two mortal men cannot handle this so we need some help we need some some artificial help we need some machine help ladies and gentlemen the direct.com's very own article machine richard nevitz nevitz what's up guys machine ready to go that's right baby absolutely (laughs) i'm glad you're here man how are you Good, good. Things are going good. You know, excited for DC fandom. I think of all the times I've been on the pod, this is the first time we're talking DC. So uh, I'm excited for this one. Yep, that that's a theme. That's a theme we got here, but we're hoping to fix it at the end oh, of yeah. this year and heading into 2022, where 
content's going to be way more spread out. And DC fandom is kind of the start of that, Liam, if I'm not mistaken. You know, this is this is kind of the turning point for the content calendar where near the end of this year and the beginning of next year, Star Wars and DC are going to start catching up to Marvel. Now, Marvel has no chance of being caught <laughs> announcing shows like Agatha all along just out of nowhere. But oh, yeah. I, think, I think that, you know, this fandom is really going to get the ball rolling again for the DCEU coming off the Suicide Squad, coming off the Snyder Cut, two major successes. And um, I can't wait to talk all about it. Liam, I'm going to start mm. with you, bud. I'm, I'm going to give it to you for the first shot. What is your first major prediction for this year's DC fandom? My first major prediction comes around a film that uh, I probably am, am steering the ship on fandom-wise because I don't see anyone else getting very excited for it. Yeah, I see what I did there. Steered the Nautical ship. Puns. The ship okay. being on water. All right. All right. I'm on board. I'm on board. I get it. On board. I see what you did there as well. Bang. Yeah, everyone knows what movie I'm talking about. Arthur <laughs> Curry's second solo film, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. I don't expect to get any trailer footage. Um, we have already been confirmed that it's just going to be kind of a behind the scenes look, but the way behind the scenes looks can operate as they have in the past is they'll splice in some, some concept art motioned together to kind of give you a feeling of a scene. They'll show you some sets that are going on. They'll show you some costumes potentially in action. So my big prediction for what we get with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is I think we get to see that new navy blue stealth suit in some sort of action. I, I don't expect it to be a polished scene, but similar to how behind the scenes featurettes can work sometimes where you see a scene being shot and you see all the cameras and the lights and everything, but when your brain mentally removes those from the picture, you're like, oh, that's a scene from the upcoming movie. I get what we're, what, I see where we're going with that. So. My big prediction for uh, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is we see the stealth suit in action. Absolutely. I think I think um, I like where you went with that with concept art kind of being a big part here. Remember the Black Adam reveal last year? You know, that was really concept art heavy. Shout out Boss Logic. Um, you know, he handled all that work for the uh, um, for the Black Adam reveal last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they got Boss back for Aquaman 2. Um, I think it I think. Aquaman 1 was such a big visual success. The behind-the-scenes look's going to kind of double down on that and really give us a good look. Nevins, do you think that we get anything story-wise from this behind-the-scenes look at Aquaman that we're expected to get? I mean, if anything, maybe a little bit, but I'm expecting, like you said, Liam, maybe another look at the new stealth suit, maybe a first look at Dolph Lundgren or you know some of the other new cast members from this movie, Amber Heard, stuff like that. But... Um, now, I'm not expecting to get um, a ton of story details because the movie's still over a year away. It doesn't come out till the end of 2022. But um, no, I'm betting like concept art, you know, maybe a little thing from Jason Momoa, some kind of video thing, little behind the scenes stuff. Um, I could see them going that route more than like the full trailer thing. Absolutely. All right. Nevitz, your first big prediction for this year's DC fandom. Oof. Okay. I am going to have to go with, I don't have the, quite the, uh, the lead in that Liam had with all the Aquaman stuff, but, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think I'm going to quickly go into the flash. Okay. I got it. I got it. <laughs> quickly go into the flash. All right. I get it. Nice. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. I, I, all right. I got, I got one on the fly. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the old guy here, the director. I got to bring the Paul Rudd dad jokes. Um, <laughs> but I, I am betting we will get something of an official 
first look at Ezra Miller's Barry Allen alongside Michael Keaton's Batman. I mean, this is this has been the big bit of news for this movie for almost a year and a half now since it came out last summer that Michael Keaton was going to be reprising Batman in this movie. And I mean, the fact that not, we not only get Michael Keaton in this movie, we get two Batmans in Ben Affleck and him. We've got Supergirl in this movie with Sasha Cali. Um, but I'm going to go something along the Michael Keaton round. Because like you were saying before we started recording, almost any movie Michael Keaton is in, is the is he's the biggest part of that movie. Like right. It was almost that way with Spider-Man Homecoming. It was obviously that way with his first two Batman movies. Michael Keaton's going to steal the show for for uh, the flash this time around awesome i um i i can't wait to see keaton back in it um he's gonna have the gray hair that's what the uh set photo showed us right he's gonna Mm -hmm. have the silver silver fox batman something we haven't seen on live screen clooney had it a little bit but you know he was still the young playboy batman back then so i can't wait for old bruce wayne something we really haven't gotten in live action in any sort of capacity so i think michael keaton's the perfect one to do it I'm really interested. You remember last year how they had that whole Joker um, segment, the kind of like yes. a documentary of the Joker yeah, yeah, yeah. character, and they had Hamill there, and Joaquin showed up, and they paid tribute, obviously, to Heath Ledger. I wonder if we get something similar to that, but with not not just Barry Allen, Flashpoint. Flashpoint is obviously such a big inspiration for what this movie is going to be: the treadmill, time travel, universes, etc. DCEU for me personally has um, infamously assumed that the audience kind of knows the backstory of these characters going in, specifically Batman and Superman, which on the nose, they're probably correct, but I still don't love how they just assume people know the core values of these characters going in. Giving us a really in-depth look at what Flashpoint is and was in the panels ahead of the flash you know segment of dc fandom i think could do a really good job setting the stage and setting expectations for what this movie is about and why michael keaton's in it and why ben affleck's in it etc so um liam how excited are we to see um affleck and keaton back in the flash i here's a question which ones of those two which one's your favorite batman I mean, it's Affleck because I don't really have like a sentimental attachment uh, to Michael Keaton's Batman. However, like that's not to say that I don't appreciate what he did for the character. It's just like kind of before my time. And still right now, Christian Bale is still like my Batman. Oh, Uh, I do. I do kind of expect that to get, you know, maybe maybe swapped out in a couple of years, but we'll see. But Michael Keaton, I'm glad you made that prediction, Nevin, specifically, because I do think not only do we see him. Uh, in some scene footage. I do think we see him in the suit. I think that's a big selling point of this trailer. And it's not something I think that they want to save for the movie itself because he's already been announced and we've already seen two full movies of him in costume. Like I remember, bad comparison, but it's on my mind because Venom's the talk of the town. The first Venom trailer, (laughs) right? For the first Venom movie, they didn't show Venom fully unleashed because they wanted to save it for the second trailer. With Michael Keaton, I would understand, oh, we're just going to show his face, but not him in full costume because we want to save that for a second trailer or closer to the movie. Because we've already seen him in costume so many times, I do think we're going to get a a, a screenshot going around from officially, you know, released trailers of, oh, my God, Michael Keaton back in the cape and cowl. Um, And yeah, I think that's going to be the big point. Here's, I don't think we're getting the first trailer, obviously, for The Flash, because just like Aquaman, it's a year away. But when that first trailer does come out, 
I could see them going maybe the Spider-Man No Way Home route with Michael Keaton. Ironically enough, Spider-Man franchise's first villain in the MCU. Um, I could see them going like the full shot of Michael Keaton in in his suit as Batman, a la Doc Ock, Alfred Molina at the end of uh, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer for that first run. Maybe like that first meeting between him and Barry Allen or something like that. That would be super dope. We get that Batman 89 theme at the very end of that trailer, man. Like, oh. That's going to that's gonna send chills up my spine. Like that's Seriously. Pain. Like that's that's ahead of its time music right there, Batman 89. Um, speaking of Batman, speaking of Bruce Wayne, speaking of the Cape Crusader, I'm going to give my first prediction for the Batman. Bob Pattinson is showing up. He's Bruce Wayne. It's a year one. Uh, it's a year one movie. So, you know, think Batman Begins, but made in 2021. That's kind of the vibe we're going to be going for a little bit. Um, I, that, that first trailer broke all of our minds, right? You know, that, that's the trailer oh, yeah. that not, not only put this movie on the map, but like expectations were set with that first trailer. And I think the grittiness, the, the um, Winter Soldier-esque action that seemed to be a part of it and that one little action scene that we got, um, but another thing that stole the show for that trailer, I know me and Liam talked about this at length, Paul Dano's Riddler. And I think that, you know, set up as such a creepy, unique villain. And I'm really excited to see that explored in a dark tone because really we've only gotten silly Riddlers um, in live action. What with the Clooney movies and then um, in uh, Gotham. Um, I liked Edward Nigma in Gotham, but that, that's a zany Gotham comic booky show. So um, I'm excited to see a more sinister, creepy uh, Riddler, but I think my my prediction for the Batman, you know, we're going to get the second trailer. That's It's going to be insane, and I can't wait for it. I think we get our first look at the Penguin, and, and like full Penguin regalia. You know, uh, we see, um, oh, what's the Penguin's name? Really slipping my mind. Arthur, Arthur something? Oswald's Cobblepot. Oswald's Oswald Cobblepot. Cobblepot. It's a ridiculous we, name. <laughs> we see Cobblepot as some sort of politician or mover and shaker um, in the first trailer, very briefly, um, but I think we see maybe a turn here because, uh, as we know, Batman movies are only as good as the villains. And, you know, that that really dictates where these movies go outside of the actual Batman itself. So I do think we get our first look at the Penguin in live action. First one since DeVito, um, omitting, obviously, the Gotham series from the CW. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to get this trailer and kind of uh, flesh out what the story is going to be. You know, why is the Penguin turning into the Penguin? Why is the Riddler there? Do we get a Selena Kyle name drop? You know, that kind of stuff. I, I want to see the rogues gallery kind of be the focus of this next uh, this next shot because I think we're going to be saving the epic Batman stuff for the movie itself. Yeah, I mean, looking at, I, I agree that we're going to get a, a villain um, reveal, but I don't know if it'll be the Penguin only because I remember reading that Colin Farrell, his screen time in this movie is only like five to 10 minutes. So I don't I don't know how much of a presence he's gonna be. That that said though, in the first trailer we did get the one flash. It was literally like half a second. And no one was like everyone was like, wait, that's Colin Farrell under yeah, all that yeah, makeup right? and everything. So I I do think we could see an elongated shot of the penguin, but uh, I think the crux of this will be will be the Riddler and the Flash. Uh, and you know you know hang seeing him hang the yeah. trailer on the villain reveal. Uh, in that sentiment, I agree. But hey. You know, I, I don't even want to predict too much because I know I'm going to watch that trailer 35 times and I'm going to have come. I'm going to be completely wrong about what it is. And it's going to be epic. And Matt and I are going to gush on it for probably half the uh, the bonus episode where we dedicated DC fandom chat. So I'm crazy <laughs> stoked for the Batman trailer. 
Gonna remind yeah. everybody, I predicted it to be the best Batman movie ever made. So I'm I'm right, I'm ready to live and die on that one. All right, all right. And one more character I'm I'm also really excited to see in this one. Maybe get our first look at Andy Circus as Alfred. Um, because I mean this is gonna be like even a different kind of Alfred than Jeremy Irons was, and obviously different from Michael Caine from the Christian Bale movies. Um, I mean, Andy Serkis is pretty much just awesome in any role he's in. He was completely uh, undercut in the MCU. I still, I will live and die on that hill to this day, that claw got the short end of the stick on that one because he was awesome. But I can't wait to see him. And can I just say too about that first trailer? All things considered, the fact that they had only filmed about 25 to 30% of that movie, that is in the conversation for one of the greatest trailers of all time, especially in the comic book movie world. Because the fact that they got people so excited with that little footage being shot, you can't say anything against it. And I can't wait to see what they do once they've actually filmed the entire movie. And I just want to add real quick to your Andy Serkis point. I didn't really care for his casting as... um... Uh, Alfred until I realized that this movie is directed by Matt Reeves and mm. Andy Serkis worked with Matt Reeves on two different Planet of the Apes movies like that that combination a lot of people will point to the great actor director combinations out there but the CGI work done on Planet of the Apes I think should have got Circus the best actor nomination obviously people will will hush about that because it's so much CGI is done but the relationship you need to have with not only the motion capture technology but your director's vision you have to be like family and the fact that Reeves and Circus are being reunited for this film I think it's a big thing that's getting overlooked and it makes me super super stoked for such a small aspect of a, a film where everyone's focused on the Riddler and Batman and Penguin I'm excited for Alfred. I'm just like you, Richard. I'm right there with you. A lot of moving pieces in this one, I'm starting to realize. You know, three three rogues. Alfred obviously is going to be in it. You know, does Harvey get involved? Do we get a do we get a Drake, you know, at some point? Is that the post credit scene? Stuff like that. So The um, Watcher maybe, is Jim Gordon. The Watcher is oh, I, hey, Jim Gordon. <laughs> like, like, no, seriously. Like, uh, right? you know, that's that's not nothing. You know, he's going to be a major character of this, especially with the Riddler being the main uh, antagonist here. So that's six major players in this movie alone. It's It'll be interesting to see how they juggle it, but um, this has to be over two and a half hours, right? Like it's, it's got to be. So, it's got to be. Like, you know, those movies just tend to be long. So um, I'm pretty <laughs> excited to find out. Liam, your second prediction for DC Fandom 2021. Let's talk a little Black Adam, folks. It's coming. It's real. I cannot believe this movie has been shot to completion because this thing went through (laughs) development hell. I remember remember when Dwayne Johnson signed on to do a DC film. It was around the time Captain America Winter Soldier was coming out. That's how long time coming this movie has been. And I'm stoked, man. I saw saw the, the shot of all the different costumes. It's kind of like black and white, so I'm excited to see some of that gold coloring in. But my big prediction, I I do expect this to be a featurette along the lines of what we'll probably get with The Flash and Aquaman 2. However, I think this featurette will feature some some scenes, some Mm -hmm. fully cut scenes, whether or not that's that's 20 to 30 seconds of footage or, or whether or not it's a brief five second glimpse of The Rock just kind of turning around in full attire with the pointed ears a little bit and the darkened eyebrows who knows but hey man this is this is ancient egypt back in the comic book screen and i love i love some egyptian mythos um in my comic book movies i still kind of 
have the acts one and two of x-men apocalypse have redeemable <laughs> qualities i will say that and i am super stoked for moon knight because of uh its exploration and its dedication to uh egyptian mythology i think we're gonna get the same vibes here with black adam so i guess my big prediction that i will end this big gushing um uh, monologue <laughs> on is i think we get to see brosnan as dr fate i yeah. think we get to see him in full costume uh and if we don't see him in full costume we at least see the helmet that's my prediction. Yeah, no, I, I love that prediction. I mean, getting Pierce Brosnan in a, a Black Adam movie and a DC movie is something truly special. And I'm going to go into this later with some of the other castings, but DC is killing it in the casting game for the most part with these movies. I mean, Pierce Brosnan in this, I'm going to be talking about some Shazam stuff later, but him in the helmet would be awesome. And Literally, the fact that this movie, the earliest this movie went into development was before the MCU existed. That's how long this movie has been in development. I think it, it started in like 2006 or something. So the fact that, like you said, Liam, it's a movie that's actually been shot to completion and that it's being prepped to release next year is something truly special in and of itself. And it's The Rock. I mean, The Rock is arguably the biggest movie star of this day and age. So people are going to see this movie and they're going to see The Rock as Black Adam and I can't wait for it. Aren't those kind of the red flags for a bad movie, guys? It's been in production for over 15 years, that kind of stuff, you know, shot over and over. Oh, it's not great. That. No. Like, like that, it's red flaggish, but there seems to be something going on with this new era of DCEU. It gives me a little more confidence in it. Um, again, if they got if you get boss logic attached to a project i'm here for it. <laughs> the, right. the only the only reason why i would lower those red flags a little bit is just because uh when the rock signed on i think a big part of it was his schedule like he's the busiest man in hollywood sure, he does, sure. he oh, does yeah. four movies a year so i completely agree any other movie development hell going through multiple scripts going through multiple castings gotcha. i would get a little worried however it's it's the rock you know he exactly doesn't, he doesn't sign on to just any project and when he was talking about what movie he's going to do what superhero movie he's going to do he had rules set he said he had to be a character that had never been portrayed on screen before and he had to be as powerful if not more powerful than superman and both of those have been met and i don't mm -hmm. think that this is a project where it's going to be like oh it's it's a jungle cruise or it's a skyscraper where it's just a big blockbuster movie to come out in the summer and it makes money just because the rocks in it he wants to franchise this for sure the way that yeah. he talks about this movie the hierarchy of power in the dc universe is about to change that doesn't change over the course of one movie i think he's in this for the long haul and i i have i have faith that you know a development hell movie like this will will turn out to be something worth talking about sure when you get the rock this passionate about a movie like this i mean even for a superhero movie when you get the rock this involved and this invested in it i cannot see any way that this doesn't work in some form or another and and you also gotta take into account he didn't take an mcu role he took this no role. you know what i'm saying like that's not nothing like you know when when you are as big as the rock and as attached to disney as the rock is with all the mm -hmm. disney projects he's had it's a big thing. I think we might get our first look at the JLA as well. You know, Hawk Band, Cyclone, Isis. I think, you awesome. know, your, your Greek mythology vibes, I think, really come to fruition with the power team that we're going to get here. I'm really excited about that. Um, opening monologue of this movie is probably going to be the best part of the film. Yeah. Like, you know, we're going <laughs> to yeah, get the sure. rock voicing something over. 
in the first oh, yeah. 10 minutes of this movie uh like a snyder cut with dark side i think it's gonna be dope. <laughs> like um, like in thor the dark world with odin <laughs> that was actually a really good opening scene i agree i love that, that. genuinely I, love that the, the setup first, to that the movie first 30 minutes made... of that movie is solid solid the, the setup to that movie made for a much better movie than thor the dark world actually was there are bits and pieces that are great <laughs> The elves didn't talk the rest of the movie. That's the problem. It's like they forgot what they set up. It's crazy. The elves um, forgot to elf. I can't wait to see it, guys. I really am. I think I think it's just going to be a really awesome thing in the DCEU. Um, so moving on to Nevins. Uh, you know, we talked about Black Adam. We talked about, you know, the first guy to say the words, right? So what word would that be? Shazam. Oh, man. And, and, you know, it, this is... This is the one that I'm actually getting really, really pumped for, mostly just because Shazam was one of those rare DCEU movies from the first era of the DCEU that people just generally really enjoyed. It was a Mm -hmm. fun time. Zachary Levi knows how to bring that childish wonder to any character he plays. I loved him as the the lead character. Um, As for like bold predictions for this one, I am going to go with actually the shock of the panel at DC Fandom, because I remember I covered that one, wrote an article on it. We're going to see Sinbad for a second, because everybody's forgetting that Sinbad is in this movie. Um, (laughs) Like, that's the one thing that I really remember from writing up (laughs) that article on on DC Fandom last year. (laughs) But uh, no, Sinbad's going to be in it. I'm betting we're going to see more of the costumes. Um, I really, really hope we get to see because what, like I said, with the casting, this is the movie I was talking about. This movie has Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu as two of the bad guys. I mean, I forgot Lucy Liu was in this movie. How do you top that? That is some of the best casting the DCEU has ever brought. And um, I know we've already seen our first like tiny bit of footage from it, from that tiny little clip of uh, Zachary Levi in the dark asking, why is it so dark in here? Um, so I'm betting we're to get more of that humor, maybe a little costuming and, uh, hopefully some awesome bad guys. Absolutely. It's, it's crazy to think in the next calendar year, Angelina Jolie and Lucy Liu are going to be a blockbuster action movie. Like it's 2004 right? all over again. <laughs> I feel, and I feel like superhero movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like those are two of the biggest action stars from the mid two thousands. And now they're just both back in a huge way. Um, <laughs> uh shazam the first one i I don't think i've taken this take to the microphone yet but um i think it's a lot like iron man the first iron man in the sense that the first two-thirds of the movie has such a unique tone such a unique heart such unique comedy style that is so defiant to the movie and then the third act kind of falls apart but that you know that's superhero movies the third act's the toughest act to land we all know that um but i think that there's so much heart and charisma in the first two thirds of that Shazam movie that I think the second movie has a really good chance to capitalize on it and just maybe stick the landing a little better and uh, capitalize on just the momentum of this character, the colors, the pop best costumes. I think that we've seen in a long time, like this is elite level costume stuff. So um, yeah, I, I I can't wait to see kind of what this movie ends up being about, because obviously I think that, either post credit scene or the very end of this movie is going to tie into Black Adam. You know, we're going to get that Batman versus Superman vibe heading into Shazam 3. Um, so um, I'm excited to see kind of what this movie's about, exploring the lore, especially after we're going to retroactively explore that lore in Black Adam. 
Yeah, I agree with a, a lot of points being said. I love the first Shazam movie. Like, I adore mm -hmm. that movie. Um, I only recently watched it for the first time uh, in the past calendar year. But my hesitations for the sequel is I'm worried about it being stripped of what makes it special in terms of, at its heart, it, it's a coming-of-age, family-friendly, like, intimate story. It just happens to include superheroes. And it gets a little fantastical in the third act. And I do think that's why the third act falls apart, because the first two acts being so personal and intimate is the real magic of the movie shazam 2 you know subtitle theory of the gods and all the big power sets that are coming into play and you know there is a black adam clash down the line at some point we will see that happen on the big screen you know not that i don't want to see it but i i don't want shazam to lose its magic and i i have hesitations but i'm intrigued to see what this panel does because i think it'll quench a lot of my my hesitancies I think it could raise a couple more, but regardless, I'm anticipating this panel for sure for all the reasons mentioned. Yeah, and uh, and dark horse for MVP of this movie, Jack Dylan Grazer, because he was quietly one of the best parts of the first movie. Is he the crippled kid? Yes. Okay, he is incredible. He's in Luca. Oh yes, he is. He's the yeah. best. I forgot about Luca. that. He's fantastic. I Silencio love that dude. Bruno. I love him too, man. Silencio he's awesome. Bruno. <laughs> he's awesome in Shazam. When I found out he's that dude in Luca, I was like, this kid's amazing. This kid, yeah. the next Timothy Chalamet. Never seen right? that movie. I, I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't be throwing that name around. Richard, Hip that machine, my guy. Thank you for that Shazam take. I'm going to close this out with my final prediction. Guys, it's Peacemaker. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, he's back. Christopher Smith, as we all know, that's his name. He is back. Uh, we just got our first <laughs> clip. We've gotten our first looks. You know, we've gotten a lot more of this show than anything else. I think they shot it right after the Suicide Squad, right? I think so, so yeah, pretty close to it. This one has not only been in production for a while, it's been in the can for a hot minute. So I think um, DCEU's first spinoff, other than Birds of Prey, which was more of a soft reboot than a spinoff, um, I think that this is going to really capture a lot of what Birds of Prey did and just you know, strip the one quality from the, the Suicide Squad movie that this character was in <laughs> and really just flesh it out into a uh, longer form. I, I don't think this is going to be, you know, hyper, hyper, what's the word here? This isn't going to be like Oscar level stuff. This isn't going to like be game-changing storytelling. Exactly, thank you. Critically acclaimed. I think the comedy is going to hit eight ways to Sunday. I think the action is going to be as awesome as it can be. We all remember those specific peacemaker scenes from the suicide squad. Some of the best choreographed walking and talking action we've seen with the guns and the grenades and the flamethrower and all that stuff. <laughs> um, um, I just can't wait to see Cena do his thing. He's got the R rating. He's got the ridiculous suit. He's bigger than ever. And, and I don't mean that like as a blockbuster movie star, he's bigger than ever. He's and huge. um he's huge and um i sneaky love the supporting cast here too i really liked uh, amanda waller's team in the suicide squad the, the ones who ended up hitting her in the head of the golf club <laughs> um i really enjoyed that kind of uh film room team there and they're going to be the supporting characters in the show so i really like how it's branching off this universe of the dceu i'm really interested to see how it ties in to the suicide squad and my prediction is that we're going to get a look at kind of the story the motive what's the mission why is Christopher Smith still alive? And, you know, what, what's going to happen to him moving forward? So that's my prediction is that we're going to get our narrative. Um, you know, we know our character. We know the tone because that is the character. But I think we get the narrative here in one way or another. 
Yeah, I agree. The 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 prediction is the mission. I, I think we get some definition, especially because as far as I'm concerned, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first project we will get once DC fandom is over. Batman is in March. Flash and Black Adam, February. I believe, are summer into fall. Peacemaker starts streaming in January. Like, that's very, very soon. The turnaround on this is insane. The movie oh, yeah. came out in August, and we get us the first spinoff five months later. Like, even, the, even the MCU, even the MCU, for as quick as they turn around projects, don't have directly linked spinoffs like that so close together. So I, I got a lot of anticipation for this series, and I'm hoping we get a full-length trailer and I mean, come on, we're like three months out. You got to expect that we're going to get one. And uh, I want to hear about the motive. I agree. I, I agree with everything you guys have said. Side note, that first clip that released, the kind of expanding on the uh, HBO Max trailer from a few weeks ago, absolutely hysterical. Hilarious. E- Eagly is going yeah. to be <laughs> one of the stars of the show. Only John Cena's Peacemaker could have a pet bald eagle and completely think it's normal um i remember i said this on twitter i remember like right after i saw the suicide squad that john cena just goes at this role so hard with everything he has he just believes that he is his guy and he was one of the best parts of the suicide squad um the supporting cast is awesome i'm gonna love seeing the the people from suicide squad back one sneaky actor that i'm really looking forward to seeing in this one robert patrick T-1000 from Terminator 2. Um, oh. I think I think I've heard him that he was playing um, John, John Cena's dad in this series. So I can't wait to see that dynamic. Because um, I love him in almost everything I've ever seen him what? in. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be oh great, right? <laughs> yeah. Still to this day, the most terrifying bad guy I've ever seen in a movie. T-1000. He's up there. The, scare, the scariest dude. Um, you know, I think Cena attacking this role is what people want to say. Tom Hardy attacking Venom is, you know, just all out commitment. Oh, yeah. To the bit. This one works, though, for me. So, guys, oh, yeah. those are our big DC fandom predictions. That's all the major projects. Uh, real quick, Liam and Nevins, what's one big surprise you think that uh, we're going to get that isn't really on the schedule? That is a great question. Um, I would say maybe something, maybe a tiny tease for Green Lantern Corps. Cause I know they're working on uh, mostly casting right now, like Finn Wittrock's in it. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think we're going to get a ton from that series, but I think we may get something just because it's green lantern. The yeah. green lantern has been relegated to a Snyder cut quick shot in a flashback scene. Um, and he's one of the founding members of the freaking justice league. So yeah. you, you'd think that that series is going to get a little bit of love at DC fandom. Yeah, that was my prediction as well. Um, I do think we get some either a casting announcement or a casting graphic, something very simple of here's what we got going on. Here's our production schedule. We begin shooting in March 2022. Who knows? But uh, to change it up a little bit, my extremely dark horse out there prediction, because I don't really expect it to happen, but wouldn't be shocked if it does. Uh, James Gunn's next DC projects. He's working on Ooh. something oh, else. Wow. That's not Peacemaker or Suicide Squad. And he said he has to be tight-lipped about it for now. I don't think there's any harm in announcing a title um, way to like send the fans home happy. Obviously, the Batman trailer is going to main event, but I get vibes of, remember San Diego Comic-Con 2019? I know where you're going. He goes, oh, we didn't even have time to talk about mutants. And then, hey, later. Bye, everyone. I think uh, James Gunn could pop on screen. Oh, and and by the way, Herschel Lee's playing Blade. (laughs) 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a chance James Gunn could pop on screen and go, wait, I didn't even get to talk about whatever yes. project I'm, I'm mm. working on. And I don't even know what to speculate because it's going to be a Z-list comic book movie that just makes a billion dollars because that's what he does. A la Guardians mm. of the Galaxy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think we're going to get a Super Pets trailer. That'll be fun. Um, That'd be awesome. I have an inkling for a Wonder Woman 3 something. I know Patty's uh, kind of in the Lucas area right now, right? She She's in pre-production for a Star Wars movie at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, yeah. Um, so my my bold prediction, my surprise, you know, you talked about Green Lantern being a core member of the Justice League, and he hasn't really been in the DCEU in any major way. Oliver Queen, where's Green Ooh. Arrow? Where's our guy? You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's built like for an that. HBO series. Um, obviously, the Arrow series has been majorly successful, but – it's 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 been over for four years now three two three years yeah something like that yeah it's it's i think it's closer to three than not yeah um but uh it'll be interesting because that's another just core member a very recognizable dc character which surprisingly they don't have as many as you would think Mm -hmm. um so i think green arrow you know something there could be really fun guys that has been our dc fan dome predictions nevins machine buddy thank you one year of the direct podcast and we're ending it with one of our first guests richard nevins thank you so much for coming on my man thank you guys you guys keep killing it every single day that was all your top news that was a what if review that was a box office review that was a dc fandoms prediction segment that was a star wars uniform draft and that was the one year anniversary special of the direct podcast liam i just want to take a moment to thank you for being such a great co-host joining me on this ride this started with a random clip i sent to everybody in the direct slack channel over a year and a half ago and look where we are now we have built it to this amazing community this amazing show and i wouldn't want to do it with anybody else thank you for nerding out with me putting up with my rambling and you know just going back and forth with hot takes and sports references talking about comic book movies it's my favorite thing to do yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. This is the highlight of my week every week. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I, what we have in store, we're only getting started. It's crazy to think that we started this, you know, well over a year ago. The ideas were flowing throughout the summer of 2020 when there was a content drought. And we said, let's make a podcast. And, you know, it, it's, it's wild to see where we're at now. Um, but it's even crazier and more unpredictable to imagine where we're going. Um, because it's, it's going to be a, a great 2021 into 2022. And from there, who knows, man, it's going to be exciting. Uh, phase one was great, but phase two, just like the MCU, it's going to knock it out of the park. I can't wait. We're just getting started. One last time for phase one, we will send you off into your weekend or whenever you're listening to this with some weekly recommendations we are interested in things outside of the land of fantastic liam what do you got for the people today man i i had one i had one yesterday and i just completely blanked on it and it was definitely like a life one Mm. you know you know what it'll be uh iced coffee you guys like iced coffee i like iced coffee a lot enjoy some iced coffee but specifically catch up with someone who you haven't spoken with in a while there's nothing like having a little little coffee get together, sit outside, enjoy the good fall weather over a cup of joe, because if it doesn't go well, you have the excuse of you can finish that coffee in, in 30 minutes, be in and out. But if you're having a great conversation, you can sip on that for, 
for two hours if you'd like. And uh, coffee coffee dates are, are my favorite. I love them. I love re- uh, rekindling relationships over over a cup of coffee. And uh, yeah, that, that's my weekly recommendation for, for all the people out there. My fellow caffeine addicts, rise up. Yeah, Liam in a lounge drinking lattes. That can be your new, <laughs> your new Netflix show. Um, oh. My weekly... You love it, right? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my weekly recommendation, guys, uh, you know, or two life ones, two sentimental ones. Call your grandparents. Tell them you say, hey, they miss you. I promise they do. Um, I've been spending a lot of time with my family over this past week, and it's made me really appreciate the time I've had um, with the um, older generations of my family. So everybody, pause this podcast right now before we play our outro music, whatever it might be, and um, call your grandparents. Just say, hey, just just say, hey, what's up? And ask them what their favorite movie was when they were in high school. I don't know, something like that. So um, that's what we got for you guys. Thank you so much for coming along. Please share this with your nerdy friends. Please uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple iTunes if you think it's a five-star show. And if you don't, ah, forget it ever happened. Just, just forget we exist. We thank you guys so much. We can't do it without you. And uh, we'll see you next time in phase two of the Direct Podcast. Yo, listen up, here's the story about a little guy that lives in a blue world. And all day and all night and everything he sees is just blue. Like him inside and outside. Blue his house with a blue little window and a blue corvette. And everything is blue for him and himself and everybody around. Cause he ain't got nobody to listen yeah kind of very very good just just hit record i am ready when you are um i'm happy to do the intro unless you want to jump at it yeah you can take this one we can alternate like each week all right man you ready oh real quick we should kind of like talk about like what we're about you know the direct podcast like you know not like a not a formal mission statement like we gave you know the boys but like i feel like just a address to the audience this is episode one we're hitting the ground running baby yep um i i think something i keep falling back to everything you need to know about the universes you love i think that's, that's like, chef's kiss tagline i love that fantastic i'm glad you like it a lot um so i think you know we i, I can kind of lead off with that and then just dive into we'll be covering everything mcu dcu and star wars movie universes um so, you know, we'll just, you know, explain that real quick. And then I think, you know, we just kind of run through our proposal in our head. We're going to be giving you top news every week. We're going to be looking ahead, talking about future projects and what's coming down the line. And uh, we're also going to have some fun along the way. I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. Yeah, quick minute. But, uh, you know, tell people exactly what they're going to get. You're going to get the top news every week and you're going to get us looking at future projects and talking about what could happen. And then we'll get some fun along the way. And that can cover everything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cool. And then you can add whatever you want just about you. That's where you could talk about just how excited we are and how hard we've been working on this. And, you know, we're just excited to get moving. And then, you know, we'll hop into the sizzle reel. Yeah, let's do it. I love it. Love it. <clears throat> Got that out of the way. Jesus. Are you going to introduce us both or should I, should we introduce each other? I can introduce both. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. The Direct Podcast, episode one. Coming to Sir, let's go. Let's go, baby. All right, here we go.